Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. All right, we're back again. We're with Mark Cox, the co-TO of the U.S. Masters. <sighs> we're almost done. Yeah, dude. <laughs> One game to go. So let's talk about round five, because that's the shakeout round. And you've got some numbers. You've got some stats, I'm sure. You've got some games you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I got to to skim the top. Uh, we have a person sitting on 93 points. That would be Brad McKay. The next closest two people are sitting on 77 points. Holy cow. So it's Brad has, to lose. He has a 16-point differential in his favor. It, it really uh, no, now, now there there are scenarios where the math could shake out, and even with a ninety three point, he could not get it. But the odds and how well it's a sixteen point lead, weekend. which means if you just do the math, if he can just score. But, but remember, he just has to score what like five five points. points. Yeah, he just has to give five. If he scores five points, there's nothing they can do. Yeah. And and honestly, that also is assuming that the other person is getting twenty one. No, uh, he needs six points. Six points, yeah, right? Because you want to be one we, above. Because we can go up to twenty-one, right? Remember, right? Right? So right, that would right. be yeah, a tie true. scenario, that's right? Um, and then we'd go through the the tie modifier. Six points isn't too difficult to. Uh... No, not for that list. <laughs> not for Brad. It's right. not hard for Brad right. to get six right, points. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, well, good for good for Brad. Yeah, I mean, he's I, he's been the bridesmaid so many times. It's it's probably you know high time he put and, it on. And list. I, I hope he you know I hope he doesn't just you know just kind of cash it in on this one. No, I think I don't really have to try like. I'm just going to take a draw. I would prefer him to just go out there and smash the dude up, just like like the last five games. That's what I told him. I was like, dude, go out there and table that ass, man. Who's he playing? uh, We don't know yet. Okay. Because it's two two people at 77. It's uh, Nate Kleniger and... Chris James. Chris, Yes, Chris James is the other one. So Nathan Kleniger and Chris James, one of them is going to have to play... Yeah, Brad. One of and one of them's going to play round uh, table one. One's going to play table two. Oh, that's fan- that's pretty good for the southeast. Yeah, it is. Now, where how far did Dustin? I didn't see the final score of Dustin and Brad. Dustin, Dustin Howard. Uh, let's see. Brad got like a fifteen or a sixteen. So okay. Dustin got like a five or four. <laughs> so Dustin's kind of down now. A little he's bit. he's down, but he's in the seventy like four ish range. Right. Um, so he's not. Well, he's not that far. That's no. only three points behind. Yeah. Well, he's James and, and he's definitely got. Well, he's already. You know what? I think I answered my question then because he's already played Nathan. He's already played. Nathan. So he's, so he's going to have to play Chris and Nathan's going to have to play Brad. Possibly, but there are guys between Nathan, oh, I see. Chris, I see. and Dustin. so between the seventy three yeah, and seventy seven. There's a couple seventy fours. There's a couple seventy five. Where's Kevin Von Felt in all this? <sighs> Kevin's in that seventy four ish range. If, if I'm thinking right, he might be in the seventies, <laughs> but he's he's up there. Um, the South had a, had a good like third level surge where we got guys behind right. Brad and Dustin that kind of jumped up because Matt Young did good, Jeff Swan did good, and so did Kevin Von Felt. So right. uh, all right. three of those are, are pretty good. That was a knockout round for regions, though. A lot yeah. of regions played each other. That's that's why I like to do it around mm-hmm. before because we had so many regions that were stacking the similar points with each other so right. that it was guaranteed that like you had – I don't know how many Civil War matches that we had in that round, but you can get away from some of that if you, you started you in round take three, those around four, a little earlier. Right. Exactly. 
Well, how's the event? How's the event going so far? It's good. We've only had one really kind of wonky. Yeah, you want? We were talking a little bit about it. Why don't we just describe it for the countercharge <laughs> okay. audience? If you can do that, I'll try. This is really hard to do without a diagram. So, folks, uh, use your imagination. You've got three 50 millimeter monsters charging an individual cav base. And they're all coming from different segments. So you have so different angles. Uh, one's from the front, yep. one's from the flank, one's from another flank. Yep. You have one from the flank, so we'll call that the middle one. And you have one kind of off to the left that's still in the flank, but really close to being a rear. And you've got one to the right that's in the front. So as they're moving, you, you declare all the charges, they're in those arcs. As they start moving, when you make contact with that individual the first time, the individual will flush up. You know, they'll close the, the term close the door from Warhammer. The individual will close the door. In doing that, it changes the zones that the other two monsters were charging into. So the middle monster that was coming in at the flank is now, you know, technically in the front. The monster that was in the front is still in the front. But the question is, if you declare the charge at a zone and can't make contact with the zone, that's typically a failed charge. Right. In this case, there's nothing that stopped that charge from being Because they had nimble, right? It, yeah, yeah. And, the, th- and those had nimble. Yeah, so, so, new, so they could no get the extra pivot. get there anyway. Right. It was just an academic debate. <laughs> that's at that weird. Point. It's a weird situation. Oh, that's so crazy. Well, and first of all, what was the the, the cavalry model? Was it the Brock Lord? Uh, it was something like a dwarf Brock Lord. Right, yeah. which would be the only scenario where you would need multiple monsters to charge it. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, so most times... knock out, right? Yeah, something most of the time you can just take it out. Yeah, usually you're just going to send one monster at it anyway or something, right? How's the stream going? Stream's going good. Uh, we had, you know, those hiccups yesterday, but they've been doing... They were trying to do three tables yesterday, and that wasn't really working out. They were having issues with one of the cameras. Mm-hmm. So they bumped down to two tables today. That seems to be running really well. Uh, you know, a lot of people have sang the praises of getting to see that and getting to watch it throughout. It's been the day. awesome. So, yeah, and it's and not just the tables. Just, you get like coverage. You get to interview Ronnie. You get to yeah, do all kinds of crazy yeah, stuff. They're, they're knocking out a lot of stuff. And then, you know, they've got a guy walking through the room to highlight any, you know, major things that are happening. Yeah, I see Todd. Todd doing exactly. a lot of that. That's, that's Todd. Todd. Todd's Todd Serpico. Yep. And he's been helping out with scoring. Uh, we've got... Dan Miner, who's been helping out with scoring and some of the other stuff, like it's been nice to have a lot of extra hanger-ons here, just hanging out because yeah. it's oh. like, oh, I need you to go cut these score sheets. I need oh. you to go do this. Go, go pass this out. Go collect. Go that. tell this person yeah. I need this. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. It's it's been great. So last round, what are your predictions? Well, I guess we don't know that we don't know yet. The when are you guys going to post it? Uh, we're going to post it as soon as I get off this cast and walk back over there. There were a couple of tables that were still playing. I so see. we're waiting on those scores to come in before we can process round six. You know, I think Todd put up some of the, the score information of the current standings as of round five um, out on a couple of the Facebook chat, chats. Uh, so I, I think the South was leading in battle and then the Southeast and Northeast, or maybe it was Mid-Atlantic, were like hot on the trail. The Pacific... Northwest is doing good. They were in fourth place yeah, in the rankings. It's funny because yeah. we've talked this a hundred times, but yep. the player base is being – they're better and better and better every year. And it's like – we're talking about Chris James. Yep. Not a name you don't even know. Who, you don't even know who that guy is. I, I did not, know, But he just whoops Keith Wendell. Yep. And so what was the final? Was it 16 to 5 or something? It was like a 19-2 or something Oh, like my that. gosh. Keith, come on. It was something like that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm just saying, we, we, there's there's players that are out there. We're, there are still players out there. We don't even know that are really good. Yeah. Come on, play. 
Yeah, Lone well, Wolf. I, that, end of April. That's that's, that's the whole Adepticon. Bio Battles. Come it, on, it, some it's, it's a slow progression for some areas where they've they've never played top level competition before, and then after a couple of years of coming to Masters, they kind of figure it out. And they're like, all right, cool, we can compete now. And I think that's why you're seeing a surgence in the uh, Pacific Northwest. It's really well. really funny too because like Dan Meyer was saying, you know, their best player, the guy that wins most of their local tournaments, yep. Zamuda, isn't necessarily the guy that's doing the best from their team. Yep. There's these people that have never been here before, like Daniel Wright. Yep. I mean, he got he got beat by Brad. He, he was doing good yeah. until he, he played Brad. Brad. <laughs> yeah, he got a point though out of Brad, so that's, well, that's something, that's, right? That's more than some people have gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we should go out there and you should get your work. Yeah, I, I need to get back to work, so I will. Uh, I'll, I'll take off here in a minute. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Sunday morning, I'm back with a couple all stars from the Northeast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not, that's why Rossi's not here, right? <laughs> right. So I've got Gory Walzer. Mm-hmm. And Josh Rosado. Guys, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Um, two and one so far. Is that what you expected? I'm happy with it. I'm like, and you it, don't sound satisfied, well, though. Well, There's a little yeah. bit of like, uh, I shouldn't my, my, it was my Two and sec- one's pretty damn it, good. It this, very is, good. This, is, this is not like. It, it was my second hey, game. Hey, this isn't Crossroads, bro. <laughs> this is the Masters. Yeah, it's true. It was, my, it was my second game. Like, I, I played pretty good, and then it just, like. Who I, were you playing in your second game? Ryan well, Munsell. Right. So, like, he, he, you, you didn't know. beat Ryan? No. Oh no, man. He he, uh, he shot me up pretty good, and we were tied going into at the end of six, and then we uh, you know went to a seven, and he had box card my wavered my horde of bloodsworn, holding tokens, standing in front of a tyrant regiment that ha- already had eleven wounds on it. Love that. So I'm like, wow. Oh, that would have been nice to be able to throw some attacks on that and kill that, but no, I'm just gonna. Take and that, and that was in the pillage scenario, right? In second yeah, game. Yeah. So who'd, just, you play, who'd you play in the first game? I played. I mean, I know you probably forgot by now. Mike did forget his last name. Uh, Where's he, he from? Undead uh, West Coast. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike Grant. Empire Mike Grant. Dust. Empire mm-hmm. Dust with the uh, Vampire mm-hmm. Allies. Yeah. Used to be on a podcast called West Coast Hammer Time. Oh, nice. Which you guys probably don't ever listen I, to. Never heard. You don't it. listen to podcasts. I, <laughs> I listen to podcasts. But uh, yeah, uh, that was a, that was a great game. I made a big mistake, and then his hitting on fours did not work out for him. And so, um, once he got stuck in in the grind, uh, really had a you know, really had a hard time getting any traction. And I got a nice flank charge with my king on the Camara with brutal into a fresh horde of skeletons and uh, eighteen wounds and, and brutal uh, made that skeleton. You deleted him. I did. Yeah. <coughs> and then what about game three? That yeah, was, I, uh, I played uh, uh, Jake from. The Mid Atlantic. I can't. He's uh, no good. He's, Obviously, he's never beaten me. <laughs> well, and we talked about that. I don't like, even. Want, here's how. Here's how Jake is. I don't even bother playing him. I just send my consigliere. Uh, yeah, as, as <laughs> and Jake dispatches. Yeah, yeah. Gets dispatched every time. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't mess with that. I mean, it was. It was. On turn four, it looked like I was going to table him pretty soundly, and then he pulled some shenanigans, and but I still won. But it, he brought it back much closer. Um, but it, I always like playing Jake. Too, What's in your list? We didn't. We forgot. We, we're rookies. Um, we forgot that. So I have I have Varengar with uh, Goblin Allies, and the Goblin Allies have been on point. Got a Goblin King on a chariot. Well, maybe is, this time just play goblins. Well, there's that. <laughs> uh, so I have two regiments of mounted sons. Uh, one with Caterpillar. One with uh, Brew Haste. Uh, King with Brutal on uh, in the Mesa Crushing. Uh, Horde of Bloodsworn with the Staying Stone. Two. Regiments of Goblin Spitters, the King Goblin King on a chariot, uh, a troop of sniffs, and a war trombone. 
uh, Horde of Dire Fangs, and Magnil. <coughs> that's my list. That's a good list. It, uh, it, it's been working. Who do you have this morning? Elves. Uh, oh, that's not going to help. Uh, table eleven. Again, yeah, that's probably. I mean, yeah. there's so many um, elf players here. Uh, Patrick Justice. Oh, Patrick Justice. Yeah. yeah, he he's gonna he's got some fury. He he played Brad McKay in the first rounding. I mean, Brad McKay's list is pretty tough. So yes. it'll be a good list. And uh, Patrick Justice, yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, should be a good game. Over to Mr. Handsome Man, Josh Rosado. <laughs> What's up? Hey, when's your brother gonna come to these things? Man? Oh yeah, he lives in Canada, so it's we have Canadians here though. Yeah. We have Ray Shields, we have Brindley Smith, I we have know. Ashley. I mean, I've we got these people. Trying to get him out, but he's just—he's uh, coming to Orktown. He goes to Orktown. Right. He he's too busy fuming out. on Facebook about <laughs> stuff, man. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's like ultimate internet troll. Right. Well, yeah, we got him in every country, yeah, so it's okay. It's true. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm playing Ratkin. I was talking about it earlier, but I'm I'm actually I'm going the opposite direction of Corey. I'm I'm one and two right now. <laughs> right. So I'm getting uh, pretty pretty handily stomped this weekend. Uh, my first game was against Brotherhood. That was a win. And Stephen DeRose. Yes, and that was uh, Dominate. Yep, Dominate, which is a good well, That's scenario. a good turn for you. Right. And then uh, second second game was against Mike uh, Mike Austin. And so it was really close game. Uh, he ended up pulling away with it. Uh, our attrition was like within 200 points of each other. You know, but he just had one more pillage token, so it ended up being a 14-7. So minor loss there, but no big deal. And then I went into the third round, and I just got wrecked by Chris James. He's playing Undead. He's got a flying Undead army. It's like all wraiths and Revenant right. Kings. and He, he just, painted it pretty quick, too. Like, yeah. I don't think he, he... It looks really awesome. Yeah. He did a good job. But, like, he, it just... He swore me. And my... So dot deplacement... Let's talk about that. Yeah. So that, you, are you a fan? I no. am not. No. Okay. Why are you not a fan? <laughs> because it really bit me in the last round. Because so. you, it was it because you didn't have a lot of. So dot deployment theoretically can mitigate matchup discrepancies, yeah. right? You can use the terrain to your advantage. However, the flip side is if you, it increases the uh, skill balance, right? Yeah. The the gap, right? So if you have a player that that does dot deployment all the time versus a player that doesn't, well, there's a huge advantage there. Well, so. With my army, I'm running. I'm running four infantry hordes in my army, right? So the problem is, is some of these boards have four pieces of blocking terrain on it. So essentially, when I rolled up to my third game, my opponent saw it. So the first thing I, w- I was doing in my dot deploy- dot deployment, I was like, okay, I'm going to take all this blocking terrain and put it on the very corners if I can, you know, so I can keep the middle open, so I can actually move around. But my opponent, you know, caught on to that pretty quick. Well, there's four pieces, right? So right. So he yeah. caught on to what I was doing, and he just put a like a house right in the middle of the board, and then another piece of blocking terrain right next to the house. So essentially, we're playing invade, and I can't use half the board, and my army's very large. Like there were channels, there was so literally for three feet of the board, there were like six inch channels that I could go through, but my hordes are nine inches wide. It was intentional. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, to, and your army probably needs to stay together. Right. But, you like, know? now I can't play the scenario unless I'm playing all on, you know, a two-foot section of the board. I can't even deploy my army in that right. area. So, I mean, I get the appeal, but I think if you're going to do dot deployment, I think it's got to be the standard um, terrain uh, terrain setup of, like, two, 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 you know, right, two blocking, right. two hills. So two a dot deployment could work if you had just regular, uh, a balanced load of... yeah. Yes, exactly. One of, things, one of the things I, I didn't, I don't like it, is because I like a nice looking table. You and don't dot, like a nice? No, I like a nice oh, looking yeah, table. Yeah. So like, a dot deployment adds like is usually you get wonky setups. 
like yeah. hills right next to hills or hills right just, down the middle of the yeah, table yeah. Of the so you're just like alright it's part of the game and I understand that but it's just it's unpleasant to look at I don't like the the like aesthetic of the the terrain being kind of like weird clumpy Tim. area I like a much wider you know natural looking table I guess right so who do you have this morning? I got George O'Connell this morning. So no reprieve. <laughs> there's no there's no rest for the wicked. So I'm just Well, gonna... I mean you played Jeff O'Neill last year. Yeah. George O'Connell this year. Jeff O'Neill was like, yeah, round round six last year. Yeah. That was uh that was like my final boss, you know. <laughs> right. So I lost that one. So So what are your expectations for the weekend? And 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 where where were they going in? What were they going in? And where where do you feel like you're? Um, what are you on track for? I I was looking for like a um, a Joe average, a two two two. Like I'm like, all right, that's probably like based on when they did the matchup cast. I saw all the armies. I'm like, ah, there's a, a number of armies that I think I'd have a hard time with. So I was like, all right, I'll yeah. If I go middle of the road, I'll be pretty happy. Um, day one was a little better than I expected. So mm-hmm. now I I'd, I'd like to be like three and. You know, three, two, two and one, one maybe. maybe, or you know, it, I mean, all, it all depends. I mean, you're two and one. I am. Yeah. Why not four and two? Eh, I, I have a. Or hard why road. not five and one? True. That would be amazing. I, I, yes, it certainly would be. But I have a, I have a hard road to like this morning's matchup is is, it's tough. is pretty rough it's for me. Tough. That's a lot of fly. I was like, oof. Yep. So I'm. Uh, I came into it with the. You know, I'm playing a different army than I was last year. Yeah, why is that? Uh, just I like switching it up. You know, and I'm finding that without flyers. Um, I, my play style relies on flyers, so I'd have no flyers in my rat army. So is this the last time we're going to see Rackin at uh, the U.S. Masters for you? Next May, year? Maybe. I mean, I try to. I, I want to do new armies too. I have salamanders in the works. I got. I got all kinds of stuff going. But well, salamanders are broken. If you didn't hear, if you didn't hear, <laughs> I Joey. think they're good. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, think, I think they're great. Yeah, I think they've got some potential there. So I came into the weekend just uh, just looking to have a good time. I mean, I did. I did relatively well last year, and I kind of. knew going into this that like I probably wouldn't do as well this year just because it's like a different army and um, the room is just it's harder every year it goes up and up and up and up and up I mean the first year you you came to the first one we had a lot more mercs and there was a lot more northeast a lot lot more smashing (laughs) uh, a lot more big wipeout victories in this one number one it's blackjack which yeah. let's talk about that in a I, like, I like yeah that. so i think i think the scores are closer but go ahead oh yeah. uh, one of the reasons like one of the reasons i did bring the goblin allies is to up my unit strength because i knew it was blackjack right. like it's it's a big deal to have you need that unit strength to get those you know get those points if you're gonna get big wins then you need to get out there right. and i need to cover as many tokens as i can i need right. to get as many, many unit strength in the middle or on the side so it was like all right, I need cheap stuff to, to fill out. So, like, I really like Blackjack. Because it, it makes, even if you're losing, you can still, right. like, I was being the crap out of Jake yesterday. Yeah, it was a fun. But, but, like, he was like, all right. And he worked his way around to mitigate that loss Well, Blackjack well. lets you do that. Yeah. Scrap in and get some points. Yeah. What do you think about Blackjack? I, I love it. I think that um, focusing on the scenario play is, is, like, the way to be. Because you... You know, yeah, you see some of these shooting armies out here, but like, you know, for example, Mike Austin was shooting at me all game and, you know, the attrition difference was like 200 points, something like that. You know, that would normally be a plus one, minus one, but it was a zero in this one, right. you know, and our scenario was like so It's tight. really hard to so, get a 21. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, got to yeah. like yeah. dismantle the person, My which is very game, difficult. I got one point. <laughs> Who'd you play? <laughs> I played against Chris James. Yeah, yeah. Chris James. Yeah. 
Yeah. How's Mike Rossi? I didn't get him on. So uh, Mike, Mike is doing doing pretty well. He's, really? He's two and one. The the team northeast we are, the, the northeast team is doing uh, much better than we did like in previous years. So this work. And that's so what's going to happen today and that, though? And, well, that's been our goal. Yeah. I mean, Icarus like, flew next to the sun and then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike's got a pretty tough matchup. Who's he playing? Uh, he's playing the Chris James. Yeah, he's playing oh. the undead that I just played. Oh. Yeah. So a lot of defense. Chris is a good player. Six, a Chris, Chris is a. Yeah. He just doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. Morgoth in there too, right? So because of course that's not what Morgoth you do, right? held up a whole horde of shock troops all game for five turns. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's just got like all defense six, just tough for my list to deal with, you know? Yeah. Like and hit on four. Yeah, all you guys yeah. hit on fours. All, so yep, exactly. If he can pin you places with his defense six and you're and hitting the on fives, so it's like oh no, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, pin me with the train and the defense six, and I'm in trouble. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about pretty armies. You're you're a guy that likes pretty. <laughs> Pretty armies. I like pretty armies. Give pretty me some. Give me some names. Awesome. Some armor. Uh, I was looking through the room and like, um, I'll give a shout out to Austin Kerrigan. It's <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. You yeah. got it. I mean, like, you know, his his whole army is gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. Like his, but that there's that one centerpiece model right. that he right did, in the like, middle the with the purple non, and the yeah, non-metallic metals, where he goes all the way to white, which yeah. is, uh, I know, painting white is yeah. not easy. It's it looks freaking awesome. hard. It looks awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, the yeah, orc, the the orc army. Uh, Britton Williams Britain. out of the West Coast. Uh, I love the fight wagon. The fight wagon <laughs> yeah. with all the little dudes, Jeff Swan. And the, the, uh, Mike Rossi's uh, on there. Little dwarf guy. <laughs> well, it's it's a dwarf slayer because he's that's uh, awesome. He was like no one else. Did he give him a goatee though? I didn't. didn't I, 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 didn't, I, I mean, he's got, that would have been the attention to detail yeah. that goes from like an A to an A plus. Yeah, but that and just the Renaissance orcs in in all his infantry units yeah. are just like those are really pretty. Great model selection and just like really right. really sound paint. Right. Ryan Munsell's, uh, uh It was uh, same armies last year, but it's yeah. still pretty. It's I still mean, pretty, yeah. It's still yeah. pretty. There's a, there's a lot of like the high end of the room is is getting even higher. Yeah. Like every stress Ryan out because he's like I don't know. There's like usually he goes to a tournament I'm sure and says there's probably five or six armies, there, yeah. but there's like twenty armies yeah. that like, could, like, could oh, take wow. best. Yeah. I don't know if it was um I don't know if it's a force of the nature army or an elf army, but there's uh, one army out there that's using that big GW beetle. As like a horde of chariots. Oh, uh, that's Brad McKay, I think. Is yeah, it? yeah, his his, his list. Is, looks yeah, and it's good. he's put a lot, and you know, he gets a reputation of being a really uh, cutthroat jump. Mm-hmm. The, he likes. To, I mean, he's investing the time in the yeah, hobby too. It looks awesome. I mean, yeah, it, it came out nice. So. Yeah, like there's just it's nice. There's one of the things I really like, like get in there a little bit early and just wander around and yeah, see all the all the stuff set up and I'm like, oh, wow. And he's, you know, and then you always come, come, come away with like, all right, I can, I can't probably do as well as that. But if I like, it gives you good ideas, yeah. And it, and it like, it really like charges the hobby. I mean, same thing when you get beat, you're like, oh, I got beat by that trick. I, I need yeah. to learn to develop that skill yeah, or. Right. And painting wise, and, and painting like, same thing. That's a really cool model. What model is that? Because I want to buy those. Right. Because those are gorgeous. Yeah. Um, what um, army are you working on next? Um, uh, same. Army, I said three years ago on the cast. I'm doing Abyssal Dwarves. Okay, are um, you actually going to get them done this time? I, I actually, uh, I have stuff painted. I uh, was in like a funk where I was, I was not painting anything. I just didn't feel like it. Right. Or, if, you, if, you, if you don't feel like it, don't yeah. paint because you're just wasting your time and, and your models. And like I, I, I paint stuff and I'm like, ugh, like just test models. Like I don't like that color scheme. I don't like this. I don't like that. Now I have a color scheme down and I'm actually starting to crank out stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing how fast. I when go, you're passionate yeah. about it, even if you're diving deep into something, yeah. yeah. So I have like a quarter grotesque done. I have uh, my base for like the dwarves themselves done. Right. Like so, 
Like things are moving actually. And salamanders for you, it's just like an extension of your nature army or what? Uh, so yeah, so right now I have I have two commission armies I'm working on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you got to pay for last year. Yeah. Right. How'd you pay for this year? <laughs> this you got, year. You got two more in the bank. Two no, more no, no. I'm good this year. I was good this year. I was short last year. So Josh but, sells blood. Yeah. Right. So plasma. Um, plasma. Yeah. I'm finishing up the Twilight Kin army. I got about 40 models left to paint. So I'm getting right at the end there. Uh, I got some witch elves. I'm trying to paint up. Gonna get that done, and then um, my buddy Clinton Landolfi wants me to paint uh, Basilia for him. Mm -hmm. So I have to paint a list like that. He wants it for Orktown, but I think that's kind of unreasonable. But we'll see what happens. Did he ask you last year, or was it recent? It was last year. I, I oh, so is it really unreasonable? Year. No, it's not. You just didn't start. Yeah, okay. I haven't started yet. He but it's probably unreasonable he, for you to be able had, to finish he, now. To be fair, he hasn't built the models yet. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, he, and that's the thing, right? He's right. got to build. Yeah. So then, you know what? It's back on him. Oh, yeah. I do not sew. That's what I say. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. you guys You give me the stuff, models, me get them cleaned up, get the mold lines off, wash them all. Right. So so there's that, and then I, so the salamanders that I have will be an extension of my nature. I'm just going to pour it over. All right, it's time to roll. Okay. All right, guys. Thanks. Well, this is day the beginning of day two. Uh, I'm here with the sexy man, Dan Miner, and the super sexy man, Todd Serpico. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing great. So you're doing great. All right, uh, let's just kind of recap day one. It was an awesome time, right? I mean, amazing games. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was having a great time. Uh I'm I'm really impressed by the level of paint more than anything. It's, I mean, we've had some impressive events here in the South in the past. Alamo here is mm -hmm. was always, has always been kind well, the of paint the tournament. paint tournament, right? But uh, I've never seen a room this high of paint. It's right. really really impressive. Right. What what are some shout outs? I mean, Austin Kerrigan, we've probably shouted it out till we're blue in I'm the face. I'm just gonna let him keep talking because <laughs> we've already talked about this. Yeah, so. right. But what, what are some of you like, Todd? Um, Austin's army, uh, obviously, I mean, I, I was waiting to see it. I've seen a couple of his pieces, but seeing the whole thing together, right. that's really impressive. Uh, well, you saw some of it last year at Blue City Brawl, too, yeah, right? Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Shilkin's army uh, mm -hmm. is, it has some really, really high paint. Um, it's early on Sunday morning. I, I, I picture armies, and I'm struggling to put Brent Williams' on. army, the Oh, Brent Williams is just brilliant with the... the the story he tells, the, that fight wagon horde is a epic A rolling thing. Kings of War tournament with people from the, from the community. It, it, it personalized to the event hall down right. to that level of detail. It, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So how about last night? We haven't really talked about that. That was a great time last night. Yeah. Dizzy Bat. Oh, yeah. What, uh, what, yeah. what do you guys explain uh, so, so, Dizzy so Bat? Dizzy Bat is one of our <clears throat> Texas favorite uh, kind of drunken shenanigans games. You, 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 we basically have a wiffle ball bat that the end, the, the one end is cut off on. So, so we take the bat, you pour a beer into it. And a quarter of a beer. Right. Well, real men take a whole beer. Okay, well, <laughs> and, I guess and you, we you, kitty, you, you kitty, turn kitty it up and, and chug it, and however long it takes you to finish drinking it is how many, it, after you've chugged it, you have to put your forehead down, bent over to the bat, and spin around it that many times. Uh, and so the slower you are, the more revolutions you got to make. Exactly. Yeah. Until you have alcohol and revolutions uh, make for a dizzy bat, and a then you bat. then you come as soon as you come up, you have to get ready to swing and hit a hit the empty beer can, right? Uh, in in a baseball style. Yeah, and we had Ronnie Renton join us last night to do that. That That's was a correct. Lot of, that was a lot of fun. R Ronnie yeah. Ronnie was having some fun with us. It was, it was nice having him out. He, he should be here uh, all day today too, and so yeah. we're looking forward to having more fun with him. <laughs> And tonight, 
shenanigans ensue as well. Oh, Sunday night at Masters is always the best. And, and I'm actually really stoked for this year because uh, the last two years it's been big. And it seems like every year more and more people realize, hey, let's stay for the Sunday night fun. And, and people, just, be- people just come to hang out, too. There's people that are not even playing. You. Me, yeah, me. Three of us are sitting at the table. Yeah, exactly. We're just here to just hang out. I mean, we're helping and stuff, but. So my highlight of so afterwards, actually, on last night, just to yeah. continue on with that, we ended up going back to the hotel lobby, and there was a bunch of games being played. El Dalmudi was being played. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other game? That was uh, drawn together. Right, and uh, Joking Hazard. Uh, yeah, Joking Hazard. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, there was like a mini ping pong table in the hotel lobby, and we were trying to. It was terribly hard to use. Oh, it was so like, hard. I'm to not use. trying to wail on Mark Cox, yeah. and I'm like, wait a minute, this table is way too small. Yeah, you just can't <laughs> keep it on the table at all. Um, so, but my highlight now of this morning already was, uh, Rashad was so destroyed last night. He like, was, de- he ripped. was, he was pretty wrecked. I was surprised that that guy could even lay down without it, actually, uh, and he, he's, no, he's notorious that when he gets like that, he won't show up for the morning. That's game. right. Exactly. So this morning, you know, just right on time comes through the door and they're like a big rousing applause. And like, he's giving hugs. Like he's like a big rock star coming in. He's made it. it was, he's alive. Yeah, he's breathing. Exactly. He's here on time to play. <laughs> but a game. That's exactly. And he gets it, to yeah. play Ashley Mowat. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Canada, which so. is his Merc actually. So yeah, it's kind of weird. So, um, yeah, it uh, should be a good game though. They're, they're really good people. And, uh, Rashad, uh, yeah, just, Totally, I did not. I, you know, I would have placed bets that he wasn't going to make it here this morning, and uh, he totally. There was a few people there, like that. So. Uh, Dan Kamek in our group was really. <laughs> oh no, he was he was pretty bent up last yeah, night. Yeah, he was but... loud and obnoxious, and uh, which is not normally his style. And uh, really, yeah. Oh, that's all I've gotten from him. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he just loves me too much. He must love you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so I'm. It seemed like everybody made it, though, right? Yeah. Everybody did. Yeah, everybody's here. Um, and, and, and the the the, ma- the next level, master's level of being prepared for Sunday morning is to, as one of the contestants said, I don't have to play hungover this morning because I'm still drunk. Right. That is true. That's a bonus. There, there's bonus. only two ways to actually prevent a hangover. Not well, drink or just not well, we got a few good matchups this morning, too, we should mention. Corey yeah. Reynolds and Dustin Howard will be good. Now, I don't think yeah. Corey probably liked to see Eliminate be the scenario. No, but... But, I, but it, Corey's a great player, so... Yeah, I mean, Corey's the one army that I thought... Dustin was my favorite for the event coming in, and uh, Corey was the one person I thought had an army really built to, to give Dustin a lot of trouble. Um... So I think Dustin is very happy that Eliminate was the scenario because that it's more in his evens favor. it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Dustin yesterday had a heck of a game against Nathan Glevinger. I, there was a time there I didn't think he was going to get Nathan. So yeah. uh, Brad McKay, though, still the uh, Icarus flying towards the sun, right? I mean, it might be his year. I don't know. <laughs> He He's said a, that, but one of our guys was doing really, really well. And then he, as soon as he hit the Brad McKay wall, he was like, oh, wow, damn I am right. I am, damn yeah, right yeah. EOD. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was Icarus basically flying way too close to the sun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brad's just got a, a brutal list, and he plays it well. Yeah. And he's put a lot of effort into paint. Yeah. Which has been, a, a, we appreciate as well. Absolutely. And that's, not, that's one area where a lot of the, um, he and his club mates have put a lot of effort to trying to up their game. Over the last year or two, um, to try to help their overall. Performance. Did Aaron ever get a win yesterday? He d- he did um, pull one out in round three. Okay, good. I was feeling a little bad for him. 
Well, yeah, you lose your first game, and then you get the the reigning U.S. master for your second game. It's like, wow, way to reward me for losing a game, right? <laughs> and that, uh, that was the top table last yeah. year in the final yes, round, it was. actually. That was crazy. Yeah, and we should say Alex is, what, uh, two and one. Yeah, yeah. A- and Alex is not in bad position no. to, to make a run, too. Well, here's what's weird. Devlin is playing Alex this morning, and Devlin's two and one, which I think shocks everybody, including Devlin. And Devlin's beat Alan Wigness, which, you know, that's a t- that gun line is no joke. Yeah. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Brindley in our region, who is actually 2-0-1. Oh, really? Yeah. He's in contention. He's playing Derek Beard this morning, yeah, so that'll great. be a hell of a game. The, yeah. the, the Pacific Northwest has come to play this year. They're, they're, you guys are actually, uh, I ran some overall regional well, let's standings. Let's hear them. Oh, don't, sound hear so, don't sound so surprised <laughs> there, Todd. <laughs> No, well, no. I mean, you guys, you guys are, are in a really strong position relative to where you were the last couple of years, and so I, I'm, I'm, I, I love it. I, We've got I, a, I some really solid painted armies too. I think we might make a run for, you know, maybe a, a paragon. So we'll see how it goes. Great. Yeah. What are you looking forward to today? So it, just seeing how things shake out. There, there's obviously Brad is flying high as we <laughs> said, but if he he stumbles, uh, Dustin's right behind him. But you have you have a, a cluster of people within about two points uh, in in that next tier down, and and those people can jump up. It's going to affect who wins best region. It will definitely affect who's taking the Paragon Award. Right, we should um, say Paragon's like a, essentially like a best overall in sports, mm-hmm. paint, and uh, battle. Yeah, Whereas one third, our U.S. Masters just battle. Yeah, right. What are you looking forward to today, Dan? Uh, it's, it's been interesting because like when we were at dinner, uh, we were talking about how, um, <coughs> Brad McKay, uh, and Dustin are literally one and two, but because they're same region until that region rem- immunity gets removed, they've been kind of, it's the, what the next matchup has been pushed down to for Brad is actually always yeah, Ray shields, be, right? Uh, yeah. It has tended to be, um, what's, what's favorable matchups for him. Although Ray shields is going to be a tough fight for him. I think so. Ray's a good player. And he pilots that army extremely well. Like, I watched him for a while, a couple of his games. And, and that's Ratkin, we should say, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's amazing. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm hoping I can learn something. So. Brad plays Ratkin, too. So, yeah, yeah Brad, 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 you know, he's a, the top players well, have they, at least they tried, either tried everything or actually have played Absolutely. against everything quite a bit. So, it, it is a Ratkin player at heart, too. Uh, Having two of the top four uh, players going into day two being Ratkin also really makes me smile. That makes yeah. me yeah very very happy. Yeah. So we've done eliminate in round four. What are the two scenarios? Well, what are the there's there's four more. There, there'll be four more. Um, we still have uh, loot push, um, control, control, and I can't think of what the fourth one out there uh, is. <laughs> but, but but honestly, that, that, that makes it interesting with this one being gone, uh, because potentially, theoretically, if if it do, if do, if form holds for the weekend, and we wind up with next round being Dustin and Brad, mm-hmm. loot and push are half of those options, and those are both things that uh, Dustin would really like to see. Right, because yeah. he's got a lot of movement with yeah. Surge. And, yeah, um, and, and, and they play against each other and, and test these things a lot. And, and I was talking to Dustin last night. He's like, "Those are the two that probably left that he would really want to have right. against Brad." So. 
it, oh it really could fall out. I, it i'm could surprised fall out loot would actually be in there because yeah. he does have a lot of like yeah mobility and surge but he can't use that surge no he can't once you pick up token. up right so yeah but it, it, all he has to do is move forward <laughs> brad wants to keep shooting but brad doesn't brad knows he doesn't want to come into that box right right brad, yeah. brad knows what happens when you come in on dustin's box and it's, it's not just like yeah, bone jagging in the rear yeah. bone yeah. giant in the side yeah true enough yeah yeah all right guys well thanks for joining me let's go out and have some fun take some videos photographs it's gonna be a great day it's gonna be awesome see what happens exactly well let's just jump in and talk uh so let's introduce you guys so you guys haven't been on yet i don't think well you've been on before i was gonna say i was i was here last night doing yeah yeah yeah. exactly well why don't we introduce Um, you guys yeah i mean i'm sure the whole world knows who you are by now Silky smooth tones <laughs> and great commentary on all the hot action going on the table at U.S. Masters Kings of War. Um, I'm Matt Carmack. I was one of the commentators for the U.S. Masters this year. And I'm uh, Michael Piercy. I was the uh, the other commentator. Is there like one of you guys the lead commentator and one of you guys the color guy? Or is it just... I would say that, that yeah, Matt's been, Matt's been the lead. Um, yeah, and I've been doing the, the color commentary. So what was exciting about the opportunity to do this thing? I mean, we'll talk to Pat in a minute, but I mean, there's this new thing where... We're taking you guys have taken streaming to another atmosphere. It's been a lot of fun. I've done commentary stuff in the past, so I was really interested to try to do it with Kings. Last year, there was a lot of complaints because there wasn't enough coverage. Of yeah, we had we just had like cell phone, which yeah, is fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's that's our first shot. We do it and we approve and we improve every year. Right? right, exactly. So so since then, I think Pat's always had it in his head that he wanted to do this type of coverage or at least something closer to the scale i don't know if it was going to be this big mm-hmm. um i think we had ambitions of maybe just one game originally but but yeah the way that it's been set up it works really well there's enough coverage to keep people interested and keep the commentary flowing smoothly i think the biggest issue with doing we did a practice run with one game but there would have been a lot of dead air if we hadn't sped that game up to times three right right so um Right, because I mean, theoretically, you could have a game that just has lulls, lulls in the the play, right? Yeah, there was a lot of that in the Dustin and Brad game. Yeah, um, yeah, there were there are a few of the games that we've covered. There have been some some kind of dead air moments, and it was nice to be able to jump to a different game, see the action, and mm-hmm. and at the very least catch back up on what people hadn't seen. Right. Yeah, that it's definitely a thing when people are trying to identify. There's a lot of challenges in it. That we've had to come across we were always kind of concerned about how the top down was going to work and right. identifying units identifying units actually hasn't been too bad i mean you guys are just basically telling the per the, the audience yeah. right you're saying right, right. brad's moving the bloodthirster you know what you know what i mean the, right yeah, exactly here's the unit of chariots going mm-hmm. into the flank of whatever and like the bigger units are easy enough to tell from a top-down view. It's usually the characters that it's difficult to spot out. Right, yeah, individuals. Yeah, we've had. Uh, there it should be mentioned that we've had several gophers running around the tables, uh, checking just to make sure what certain things are, and where certain things awesome. are. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks to Todd Sherpico, one yeah. of them, right? He's the the main guy. Yeah, Todd's definitely. definitely been doing a great job helping with that. What were some challenges you you you've seen? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the first time doing anything like this, uh, something this complex, there's going to be some challenges. Uh, we had some issues getting started with the uh, the getting the stream going itself. Um, all of the equipment and stuff. Pat did a great job. This is a really um, it's professional. Professional. That's the only word I can use is professional. Yeah. yeah, all the equipment and stuff he had set up all by himself and and got it going great. And then of course, once we were ready to get rolling, there was a an issue with the the stream itself. And you had a camera that didn't work and yeah, some yeah. some technical things. Yep. Yeah, but we were able to, to kind of get around that. Um, 
missed maybe a turn out of each of the first two rounds, but, but once we got rolling, everything was pretty smooth. So what's exciting about it, of doing this commentary? I think everybody that, that enjoys a, a hobby or a game or anything like that likes to watch it played at a high level. So bringing the Masters to, to anyone and everyone that wants to see it, not, not necessarily able to fly out for it, um, I think is exciting. Um, getting a bigger stage for Kings of War, um, getting more people's eyes on this level of play and this level of, of uh, paint as well. Um, the paint really is amazing. And I don't know how much paint you can see from, from your angle. Surprisingly, with some of the camera angles that we've had, especially in the most recent games. Right, because uh, you've got like a, a top-down and like mm-hmm. a three-quarter mm-hmm. view yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Those have been able to catch a lot of what people's armies look like. Right. They may not be able to get like perfect, in-depth, you know, high-definition pictures, but they can definitely see how the armies are right. themed, how they're presented, and that's really great. Um, I was mentioning that one of the things that I wanted for our second game was I wanted the giant ridiculous dragon on the table oh yeah from uh, Austin Kerrigan yep. yeah, yeah it is dragon. ridiculously large um, yeah. and unfortunately we didn't get that dragon on the table but we did get a dragon you got a dragon table. on the table oh <laughs> courtesy of Ryan courtesy of Ryan it brought a backup dragon right yeah so uh, what was the give me some highlights I mean you've done five games so far well you did more than five games but you did five rounds I'll ask you this what's one thing you saw and you're like what's that guy doing <laughs> so give me one give me one <laughs> so the oh, one that we both caught was during Nathan's game last round, actually. he Against had, Nathan Clevenger against Joey Greek? Yes. yes. Uh, Nathan versus Joey, there was a moment where he was positioning a Brock Lord what looked like initially behind his units to get them inspiring and like just do that. And it looked like he checked to make sure he couldn't be charged by a unit of fiends with plus one to hit initially. Right. But then due to just the positioning, of the, he, he, I guess, he forgot about that in the moment. Position. Right and bumped him back out and it was like there is a very clear line there that we could see and it was just like he's gonna he's gonna take that right right and and he did picked mm, yeah. up the Brock Lord what about you Michael I enjoyed to swing the side there yeah, yeah. The, the other moment that, that we saw and, and we're really surprised by uh, he's gonna hate me for, for mentioning oh, it again uh, but uh, <laughs> Jeremy actually uh, was on the stream Jeremy Duvall? Jeremy Duvall. Okay. And, Countercharge uh, pain. This is, this is juicy stuff because I obviously didn't, didn't see it. So and this, he, this he's telling me what he did. Flash. Coincidentally, was also against uh, Joey Greek. Yeah. Um, and, and Joey left him a, uh, a flank for, for um, Jeremy's Soul Reaver cavalry to get yep. into the flank of one of his units. Um, and it wasn't extremely obvious right from the beginning, but, but we both saw it and we were talking about it. And Jeremy goes into his movement phase, and that's one of the last things he moves. So the entire movement phase, we're both talking about, oh, well, he's got this great flank. He's going to roll up that side of the board. And Jeremy, I guess, just didn't see it. Just didn't see it, didn't take yeah. it. Did you guys uh, bring it up to him after the fact? Oh, I yeah. did. He swears they were flush, but from that angle, I was like, I don't think they were flush. I mean, you, should, so, you would ask the question, right? Yeah. Ask my opponent, are these guys flush? Yeah. <laughs> what other things did you see that were interesting this weekend? It's been interesting to see all the different ways people have been playing things. We got to watch George's list in the first round. Against Shannon Shoemaker. Playing against Shannon Shoemaker. Um, and a lot of people picked George to win. Yes. Uh, I picked George to win. And Shannon I, played that matchup exceptionally well, though. Yes. Shannon plays really good. I mean, yeah. he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And, and so, and George definitely made a couple mistakes that game that started spiraling further and further down right. as the game went on. Mm-hmm. So, and that was that was really interesting to watch from that perspective because it was a list that I felt is something that I like to use personally. So I was like, I have a, I have some investment in that game. Um, I also really enjoyed the probably my favorite one to cast this whole time has been the Chris 
Chris Cap- James? No. Uh, Chris Kapsner. Kapsner. Chris Kapsner. Yeah. That game uh, versus no, John. John Vanash. John Vanash, yes. yeah. That was super nice guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that was exciting done at the very end of that one. Yeah. And who took it? It went, it went to John, but, yeah. ba- but barely. Yeah. Like okay. the smidge. Yeah. And there were n- numerous double ones in that game as right. well, as well as really clutch nerve rolls in some cases. Yeah, a lot of maneuverability on both sides. So there were, it went back and forth on who looked like they had surrounded the other. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, really interesting to cast in the, in the middle of that one. Yeah. A lot of good strategy to watch. So how proud are you guys to host the U.S. Masters in San Antonio? I mean, Texas. I mean, I know you guys aren't from San Antonio, right? Are you from San Antonio? Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah. We're both from Austin. Oh, yeah, you're both from Austin. So. Part of Pat's uh, yeah. Tabletop Titans, I'm assuming? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, Pat and I went to high school in San Antonio, so we, we were from here really? prior to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's always nice coming down here for Alamo, and it's it's great to to bring all these people here to this venue. Um, this is you know one of the, the favorite tournaments of a lot of people here in, in the area, so it's just a great hall. Um it's nice to how, how hospitable everybody here is. Yep, um, that, that runs the place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we always have a great time when we're here. So it's 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 really awesome to uh, to bring masters. Let me ask you this: dot deployment. A lot of these players don't use dot deployment. So uh, you guys got to see a, a perspective of you're watching these games and you're seeing them. So how did the regions other than the South who use it uh, do? I mean, most. I mean, Southeast. We had one tournament we did last in January that was mm-hmm. like the first one we've done that at. So we don't have a lot of experience with how they do. We had a couple questions actually come up on the stream. We've been watching the the chat there and trying to make sure everyone's questions get answered. Um, and dot train came up multiple times where people were like, "Oh, it feels like you could position that advantage, uh, take advantage of that, and try to do that." And that's kind of the that's point. That's the point. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like depending on your army, but both players are doing it. So and both players can tell what the other player's army is and try to position terrain accordingly. So like in the Dustin versus Brad game, he created a central corridor. It was very tight, able to fit his entire army in there without giving up many flanks because there were a lot of impassable right. terrain pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw in the Alex Chavez game, one, uh, with... Corey. Corey? Yeah, yeah Corey, Corey versus Alex Chavez. Corey uh, with the Reynolds from... Yeah. The, with the with the 31 unit <laughs> strength. Yes, exactly. List. In a dominate scenario, right? Right. Which probably the strongest one he could possibly get with that list. Yeah. And Alex positioned some impassable terrain in the deployment zone of both sides intentionally so that no matter which side he got, it was going to be more difficult for Corey to shuffle his forces toward the center, right. which was brilliant. And both pieces were, were were pretty much right on the mid, midline of the board. So both right. were, you know, yeah. doing the ability to get to the dominate zone. So that, that created a very interesting scenario. We had a lot of people who were just like, why don't you use the terrain maps basically that are right, pre-made? Right. Well, I mean, we've done that in the past. Yeah, exactly. And it works. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, you guys are in Texas and you're doing something different. It's, yeah. I think we also run different types of terrain at that point. We've got a couple different heights of some of the forests on the board. Well, you have a height too difficult terrain. Yep. So it's like a short forest, basically. Yep. And that's yeah. something that no one, I don't think we've ever played with before. So it's interesting. How, how did that come up? Did that, did that catch anybody out? Um... I haven't seen a game where it's been a huge deal. Most people have just been treating it like regular forest. Yeah, regular forest, yeah. yeah. And there were some opportunities because there were some... Um, the the board that we were casting that had a height two forest also had some good hills. Yeah. Surprising that nobody really took advantage of it with, say, chariots or like flying monsters or something going over the forest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most people treated it the same as a regular forest. How about blackjack scoring? That's something new for us this year. We haven't used it before. Um, how did it change people's play the way they played the game um 
I think I think there were more more blackjacks as in people scoring the full twenty one points yeah. than we than we expected. I, I don't think you know we were doing the matchup cast and there was pretty much a consensus that we didn't expect to see many if any blackjacks. Um, and there were we had six of them in the first day. I'm not sure how many we had today so far. Don't know if we confirmed any more today. Yeah, the the scoring is interesting. I think a lot of these lists aren't designed to play just scenario. They're designed to fight other lists, Mm -hmm. at least from what I've seen across the board. Mm -hmm. There are a couple that are definitely scenario focused, like Corey's, Mm -hmm. uh, like, I want to say it was Nathan's is very scenario dependent as well. Um, But those lists don't have a lot of fighting elements, which means that we didn't... It's hard for them to score max points without being able to, to get a big attrition lead. And that's mm-hmm. that's very limiting. And a lot of those lists that have very tough, durable units we're seeing aren't taking. They're they're denying big wins to their opponent more than they're taking points away from them. If that makes sense. And so. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's gone well. I think there's a good yeah. range, a good spread between um, close wins um, and and big attrition. You know, big uh, blackjack or or eighteen, nineteen, twenty point wins. Yeah. What's the game that you guys didn't get to? cast on that you wish you would have had on the camera <laughs> I would have liked to have seen the Dustin versus Kevin game in round one or sorry not Dustin versus Kevin Kevin versus Devlin Devlin, Devlin yeah. round yeah. one it was uh, close game for a while yeah mm-hmm. I would have liked to see that for all the certain shenanigans that would have been fun right. to talk about on the stream how about you Michael uh, well I mean we heard a lot of celebration going on with uh, <laughs> Matt Young and uh and Alex Chavez. Yeah, so. so there was a rear charge. Did they already tell you? I'm no, assuming. no, I didn't. So there was a, a rear charge with a, it was Archfiend, into mm-hmm. the rear of the Siege Breakers. He did oh, like okay. a million gazillion wounds. Uh-huh. He pops it, like the center kind of opens up, and that's it for Matt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I don't actually know what end of the, the end of the outcome of the game. I don't know who won. Snake Eyes did. Yeah. So the Siege Breakers could turn around and then put low. I mean, yes, it was going to die eventually, but it was going to be able to go down swinging. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was mm-hmm. that was the crazy crazy uh the one thing i want to mention on the the, the the stream that i saw though there was a moment when i believe it was was it andrews who was was playing jake hutton was playing somebody was jake it, hutton versus andrew yeah and so yeah. he rolled the box cars and yep. they both looked at each other like did that really happen there was like a delayed like elation right i was like wow that's pretty funny <laughs> first time you see one of those so what are some things you guys want to improve on for next time you know we we definitely want to try to iron out some of the technical difficulty type things that we experienced. Um, we noticed that the games that we got to get to from the very beginning went way, way smoother. Um, it was easier to keep track of everything, having seen like deployment and everything. Um, I think what I would really like to see eventually, and you know, it would require a lot more equipment, um, some ability to see the dice rolls a little better. Right, like yeah. a box or something that they're rolled into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've seen streams of other games where they do have like a, like a camera on a dice tray, right? Uh, close up on the dice to see what's going on, make it a little easier to, because we were just waiting sometimes after the dice were rolled for them to tell you what occurred. Yeah, for them to pull pull a unit yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like sometimes you can see it. There were definitely some nerve rolls where it was like you could see the double ones because just the volume of the dice. Right. Um, that happened at least a, a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, getting a better view of the dice themselves would be nice. And damage on units. That was big. It was very difficult to tell 
It, it, there were some times when people were using multiple little dice, so you could kind of tell based on how many of those were out. That it was like this unit's between this. Area right. Of It'd almost be nice if there was like a big number dial where it was huge, so you guys could read it. George yeah, yeah. George had poker chips with numbers on them, and those were actually really easy to read from the top down view. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was nice. um, so that was convenient during his game. What would be some tips for people that are going to do streaming in the future? It, it doesn't have to be Kings of War. It can be any tabletop game. What What are, what are some of your tips that you guys have learned over Drink this Drink lots of water. You're talking all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. How about you? You got any, got any tips? Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is my first time uh, doing any kind of streaming. I don't know that I have the, the expertise to... Well, what did you learn? What did you, obviously, uh, you learned something this weekend, right? Yeah, I... Um, How'd you guys fill dead air? When I, like, I think that's the that's the biggest thing. That's the hardest yeah. thing when you're getting started is is knowing how to fill dead air without sounding like you're rambling. So that was the thing. There were there were times when I was attempting to fill dead air that I felt like I wasn't saying anything substantial. Right. Yeah. Um, there there were some times when it was just okay to let it sit for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Kings is slow enough to where you can kind of play it out like golf and not commentate every single little move. There was definitely a lot of times, especially in certain games where positioning was becoming very critical, where you can kind of explain what's going on, but because it's very niche, little tiny movements, you can't keep talking about that, right. especially when it happens every turn. Mm-hmm. Do you guys enjoy uh, describing prescriptively what they should do, or here, here are the options? Right, I, that would be yeah. that'd be like the fun part, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the tactics is definitely the best part about the cast. Getting to describe why certain units are doing things that they are looking for, why people made decisions. Or why maybe they shouldn't have made certain decisions. Right. When you see people make You guys decisions. need to get Ronnie Renton on with you guys. That yeah. would be that would that would be something. Yeah. Though I don't know if you can get up onto that box with you guys. <laughs> but that would be I'm pretty sure st- he's spry enough to yeah. jump up there. Yeah. But maybe that's another uh, potential change for next yeah. time is a, a step stool. Step yeah. ladder to get up there. Absolutely. <laughs> Jumping up that down that stage has been a trip. Any final thoughts? Not really. I'm really hopeful we'll get to do this next year as well. I don't know. Obviously, where it depends on where it is. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It'll be interesting wherever it ends up. There's talk that they want to do it at Lone Wolf. I'm not sure if that's going to be a possibility. Do, do the stream at Lone Wolf. Yeah. Oh yeah. You definitely need to do that. I mean, that would be so. amazing. One of my final questions. You know, you're doing this. It means you don't get to play, Michael. I I, I did end up having to drop, and I had a pretty strong year this year. Um, so I was I was giving that away. But you know, I had a I had a blast doing this. I had as much fun as I would imagine I would have had playing, um, and that's really what it's all about. So, I didn't qualify, so I didn't have the same problem. So you were like, yeah. "There's no stakes. That's yeah. fine. I'll, I was, I'll do it." I was coming. I'm going to be here anyways. Anyway. I'll be hanging out with Pat. No, I was. I was like, "Oh, you're saying I have to commentate the games?" So it was fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. guys. Appreciate all your help. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank us. you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm now here with Patrick Allen. Zorro, the the very first Kings of War master. Now he's our media coordinator, I guess, is the live stream guru. I feel like that's a good good media coordinator, I guess. Yeah. So what excites you about the opportunity to host the Masters in San Antonio? Oh, it was great because Alamo is such a great venue. um, And, I mean, you got the bar right there. And I also knew that it would be good for streaming because we have that stage that we were able to set up. The only downside was the bad internet, but I, I had equipment to solve that. Uh, so it was great to be able to invite a bunch of people here and show them some Texas hospitality. Absolutely. And what's been the the, uh, the South region's response to hosting the event? Oh, the South and generals loved it. Um, I mean, we, we have a bunch of San Antonio players who've been popping in and out all, all weekend. And it was yeah. an opportunity to just take this thing we were talking about with Matt and Michael. We did stream before, but 
you know, with cell phones, with tripods, and you start gorilla and you work your way up to what we would call now professional. And this is a big leap forward. Yeah, and, and you know, Amy streamed last year, which was great. And it's it's always better to have something than nothing. Absolutely. But since we were hosting, like I, I felt like I had an opportunity because I, I work in sport sport broadcasting and and television. Um, so I had a bunch of contacts to get a bunch of gear for free. Mm-hmm. Um, L two Productions has kindly loaned out like half my gear for free. Right. Um, and then I got some sponsors to cover all the other half that I had to rent, and we were able to put it all together. And thankfully. Michael dropped out um, to commentate, and then Matt Carmack decided to come down to help commentate as well. That's awesome. Let's just talk about your background, because obviously you are a man that can do this because you have a profession. Yes, yeah. I, I work in sports broadcasting. This is the first one I've actually produced myself, and right. the engineering side of it uh, was a little bit more of a, of a challenge, especially since I didn't have much time to do the pretest. That's why games one and two were, uh, were a little bit more rough, but I, I know how a show should look, and... Mm-hmm. And some of the different things. And it, to me, it also helps having somebody in charge of the video stream and the graphics who's not commentating. Right. Um, like, honestly, I haven't paid attention to him. Well, I was just telling them, I, I, we were doing our stuff. So I, I haven't seen mm-hmm. many of the, 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 the streams. I'm going to watch them later, though, because they're all posted on Tabletop Media yep. on the YouTube channel. Um, so that's awesome. So where did this, you, you said you were hosting this thing and you want to do streaming, but wh- when did you get the idea, hey, we're going to do streaming and we're going to go big, we're going to go professional? Oh, well, I, I thought about it back before um, Alamo GT, back before November, um, and uh, but I was, I was still kind of on the fence. And by then I had pretty much locked up my master's bid. And in December was when I, 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 I wanted to make sure I could do it without costing me money. Um, yeah. So in December, if you remember, I was I was calling out for sponsors. Yeah, you you want to cover the cost of doing yeah. this because it's going to cost money to rent equipment and whatnot. Yeah. And um, so I was I was able to to cover those costs. And once that happened, then mm-hmm. I told Mark I'm dropping out. That allowed um, Matt Young to jump in. So he was a sponsor, by the way. He had a he had a financial incentive and an emotional incentive yeah. to, to to back you. Where did you take you know uh, Did you take the inspiration for the look and feel of the um, stream from like an eSport or I mean where, where, where did you get that from? It, it was actually mainly from what I've seen people do for X-Wing. They I honestly can't remember the channel name but X-Wing it lends itself very well to streaming. Team Covenant maybe or something? I think so yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. I've, I've at least definitely seen some of their streams um, and they have the graphics and they usually and X-Wing is much less to keep track of so they're able to keep like damage counters on, on whichever ships have how many shields they have how much hold they have but in general I that's where I kind of like I wanted to take that to Kings of War, um, get the graphics involved and, um, and, and get the commentary involved. Because watching a game, honestly, watching one game isn't super exciting unless you have, to me, unless you have some commentary that to like tell you what's going on. And then, um, of course, we're jumping back and forth between tables that way on slow moments. Right. You, you, if, we were just talking to the, the, the guys, but if you have a lull in the game, you can switch to another game. Yep. And you can say, let's talk about this because this is a critical moment in the game. You know, you can kind of focus in on just, it's sort of like, you, I think you use NFL Red Zone was a yes. description one time, Yeah, right? NFL Red Zone was, was the modeling of the programming style I was going off of. And yesterday, when we finally got everything working properly and game three was my initial idea, um, which was we had three tables, and that was like back and forth. There was never a lull. That's Today awesome. Today we went down to two because one of my cameras is iffy, and about 
it worked about half of last round, and the other the other half it didn't for right. whatever reason. Whenever people crowded around, it starts to flicker. Okay. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to make sure I had two cameras on each table. Absolutely, absolutely. What are the challenges for streaming an event like this? Um, keeping track of of all the scoring and all and all the updating. And for the commentators, it's hard sometimes to figure out which unit is which. Which and also they, they brought up just reading the damage, yeah. how much damage is on there. Yeah, I, originally I was planning and on what, on trying to figure something out. I was thinking either like poker chips and tell anyone who's on the stream, it's like, hey, white means one, red right. means three, and stuff right. like that. I honestly forgot about that until Friday night. Yeah, so that didn't happen. And then dice was another thing they brought up. Yeah, you know, being be nice to be able to see the dice. Not, maybe that's an improvement for down the road. Yep. So you're setting the bar super high. How does the Kings of War community sustain this bar? That's a, I mean, that's a. I don't know. Um, like, I know Mantic's going to be doing their stream at Clash of Kings. So I expect right. that to be pretty good. I'm actually going to give them some of my templates as part of the sponsorship right. deal. Awesome. And, the, and and their streaming has been pretty good. I mean, yeah, they, they, I've seen their Vanguard stuff. and stuff like that. So it's been pretty good. They've, they've done some great stuff. I hope they take some of the stuff I've done and improve upon it because uh, I've definitely made a couple mistakes and there's some stuff I wish it, I wish I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. And um, and re- like I, I'm using some expensive equipment, but you don't need to. Right. Most of the expensive equipment I have is primarily because this hall does not have great internet. Right. Um, it I has believe- terrible internet. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's terrible. Yes. And I believe you use uh, OBS, right? Open yeah, 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 software, yeah. and mm-hmm. that is a great free program. Um, if I could have I Open Broadcaster yeah. Studios, mm-hmm. I, I, I would have used that instead. Um, that. And the the other the other challenge is making sure you have a computer or, or mm-hmm. that can take the cameras in. Which, like for open broadcast software, you you can use web cameras, but the problem with web cameras is you can't go very far with them. Yeah, you have a limit of how long the cable can be yes. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So that's when you that's on that's one of the other challenges is um is we we have a like 150 foot cable. Right, because you're run. One of the things that you noticed very early is you can't be by the table you're. Streaming. Yeah, because we're pointing Cause, out flames. You're, you're, you're basically telling them prescriptively they should do this or this or this, yes. and and if they hear that, that's going to influence the game, and that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah, a, a, as announcers and commentators, and just in s- sports broadcasting in general, you don't want to influence the game. Absolutely. Of course, home team advantage, like in sports, sometimes you run a replay to show a fumble is not a fumble, but right. we don't really to, to get do them to throw the here. red flag. Yeah, yeah. What are the uh, you know game commentary is hard. Um, how do you? What are some tips to making it do it right? Um, on the commentary side, you'd have to ask Matt, okay. uh, Matt and Mike. Yeah. Cause I jumped in a couple times when when they had to step away for a second, and I, I since I haven't been paying attention, I wasn't able to keep units. But I did notice they keep notes. They uh, they make sure we we do have a guy. Uh, Todd's been helping us a lot, mm-hmm. um, so we can ask him. Hey, what? Double check what turn it is. Uh, Let's go over and see how much damage is on a unit, or especially some of these models, the individuals just get lost. Absolutely uh, difficult to see. There's a couple times where, actually, in, in Joey and Nathan's game, we, we couldn't tell where the king was because he was by the Void Lurker somewhere. We weren't sure if his right. combat or just standing there and, because the Void Lurker's wings were so big. Are we going to see you with the next Masters? Not necessarily streaming, but here kicking butt and taking names? I plan on being there. I, I still have to qualify. Well, why couldn't you, right? You're, yeah. the ma- you're, you're an ex-Master. Don't they give you like a free pass for like 10 years or something? <laughs> like a like a golf thing? Where- no, it's only the first year you get a free pass. And um, during South events, I actually don't bring that dirty of a list. So I usually, and my paint is, my paint's getting better, but 
it's usually not good enough to be in a top the uh, top ten. I'm like a top twenty five percent. The paint year is fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Uh, um, it's in every year it keeps improving, improving. Yeah, improving. like compare and just in speaking of improving every year, this Masters compared to the first Masters, mm-hmm. the lists are better, the paints is better, the players are better, the players are better. Like. I, I don't know if I could have gone five and one in this one, let, let alone six and zero. Oh. Like this, yeah. this is a very tough room. Yeah, it's very tough. Well, thanks, Pat. We appreciate all your help. Of course, thank you. We're here with Ryan Smith, the infrastructure mastermind co-host, <laughs> paint judge, concierge. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, because you're the one from San Antonio. We're near the end of the tournament. We've got one game in process. Game six. Yep, last game is going. So let's just, we wanted to talk about paint judging, uh, paint standards and all that stuff. And you wanted to see the armies and really live the armies. Yep. I, I wanted to make love to every army with my eyes. You did. And I feel I've done so for five to ten minutes an army. That's a lot of time. Getting there's 64 armies here. Math on that. Um, if I, in an ideal world, I give every army ten minutes. Um, 64 armies, 640 minutes is ten and a half hours. Right. To, to in two properly days. paint judge in two days. Um, I think in the end I've put about seven and a half in. I got kicked out a little early last night because we stayed earlier on Friday night getting the right. video stream set up, so I didn't have until midnight like I usually do. Right. Um, but I was. Still what time do they kick you out tonight? I don't think they have a time. They're kicking us out tonight. I will probably be the one telling yeah. people to get out. Good idea. Um, <laughs> because it's been a long weekend. It running running long. a tournament is very absolutely. It's rewarding and it's fulfilling, but by the last game, you are really usually starting to feel a little right. bit of the drain of being up and being everyone's go-to and, and solving all the problems and being on top of everything and making sure everything is working and everything is in place right. and everything is right. There's some things that Mark can answer yep. about the orchestration of the event itself, uh, you know, uh, war score or whatever. But if it's San Antonio-based, venue-based, yep. pain judging-based, yeah, so a lot of it falls on your shoulders. Well, and, and Mark and I have been dividing our, our responsibilities very well for his strengths and my strengths. Um, what are Mark Cox's strengths? Mark is a motivator. Mark is able to get people excited and get people to do things, and he's a logistician. So he's very good with keeping up with scores, keeping people moving, um, cutting through nonsense and getting stuff working right. correctly. Um I am easily distracted, especially when I'm paint judging. I've had, I would probably say, 16 to 20 conversations with people unrelated to the army I'm supposed to be judging on this oh, yeah, army over here, that me. army over there. What can I do better? What What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, um, like Brian Brodeur. Yes, Brian and I had an almost 25-minute conversation about his army right. uh, yesterday. Here's some ideas. Um, right. Jeff Shilton, I've talked with a lot of people about their armies just here's what i liked here's what i didn't would you like criticism would you like feedback would you like advice would you like what i liked what i saw what i didn't um, takes a very unique person that's very uh confident to, to ask for that yes because they know what's coming it does and jeff's one of the top painters here jeff shilkin jeff shilkin mm-hmm. so for him wanting to know what i was seeing and wasn't seeing and then for me to tell him and him to go I should have done that. That would have solved this problem I'm having. Jeff has a problem mm-hmm. with his army where there's there's debate about minimum model count with his because of how he's chosen to implement rule of cool on some of his units. And, and I had a few tips he could do to make it no one's going to argue it so he wouldn't be in the situation he's gotten in a couple right. of times where people are like, well, that's that's not enough. 
Right. Um, right. And for those who don't know, he has an elemental yeah, unit. He has three hordes of earth elementals that are scenic elements coming to life. But right. in two of those cases, there's one scenery piece coming to life that's giant-sized. But you can make an argument that it's just a base. It's right. like the it's like Tim Smith, who had talked to me last year about, hey, if I do air elementals where it's a gorgeous base with a little tiny puff of dust at the bottom, is that okay? Um, and of course, the answer is no. The answer is right? no. What's the difference between the, the two? Line? Where do you and, draw and the where's line? the line? And it, it's a gray area, and it's very hazy. Unfortunately, as as the paint judge, I get to make the decision on it as far as paint score goes. Right. But I was very careful with the rubric we published where basing is considered part of painting. It's part of model right. preparation. It's part of right. presentation. Um, so even if he doesn't meet what people would argue is minimum model count, he has fulfilled the criteria I need to see right. for him to be in a certain category of paint. Yeah, the, the issue with it, obviously, is you want to make sure that you are having players that put in the appropriate level of effort yes. to show that you respect this event enough to bring something that's worthy of... I mean, you know, it, we all spend a lot of money. This is not yeah. a cheap thing. Um, but the other thing is you don't want to make things that are confusing to your opponent. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you want to make it very clear that this is Earth Elementals or this is Mastids or yep. whatever it is. And so when you get into that gray area where you're using models in different ways, very thematically yep. cool can be hard for your opponent in some cases yeah. to uh, understand what they're looking at. And, and that's, part, that's you know, it, that, it's sort of tied to sportsmanship in that regard. Absolutely. And as a paint judge, I'm not saying you can or can't use a unit. That's the master's chair and the master's committees decided right. that by voting, which is what they're there for. Um, for me, you find yourself in an awkward position. Say there's an army that is painted to the exact same quality as his, but he has three hordes of earth elementers that are basically bases he's put a lot of work into. Mm -hmm. Well, what if the other dude has three hordes of something else where he put the same effort into the basing and the models? Right. And he overheard the end of a conversation involving that and was concerned about it. But I was at a point where when I'm looking at top five, top six armies, I'm looking for anything that can differentiate. You're looking at because defects, really. I, I'm point. looking for mold lines. I'm looking for tiny little things you didn't do perfectly so that i can differentiate yours from the other armies that also have done 99 percent of the right. army perfectly right. i mean that's just the whole golden demon thing yeah right? the further you get on the more defects and issues if you're to find. one of the top five top six and in, in this tournament's case top 13 painters right i was treating you as a brush with death entrant i am looking for anything i can right. use to make one army better than the other because they are all technically solid armies well 13 in the top is pretty good. Yes. So what does that say about the painting standard for the U.S. Masters 2019? Um, so I, I did. I had some math done and scaled some previous Alamo results once we had the, the results in here. And, and one of the categories I use for page judging is a tabletop standard and a tournament standard army. Um, this was an army that you go, hey, that army belongs in a tournament as opposed to a paint contest or it belongs right. in a garage where you're playing with your buddies on MDF. Um and so an Alamo, a typical Alamo, when scaled up to the master sides, your average score would be about an 85. The average score here is a 90. It's a five-point difference mm. across the field. So just on average, armies are better. On average, the armies are better here. And I think a lot of that is because regions are starting to go overall is an important part of this game, not just battle. And so the people you're starting to see qualify for Masters are those that put all aspects of the hobby into it, not just the generals, although there are some very, very, very good generals here. Well, I'll give you an example. I would say Brad McKay is someone historically yes. who would put very little effort into the hobby. If you look at that 
Twilight Kin Army using GW Elf range, I believe. Mm-hmm. He put in some effort. Now, I'm not saying it's a top army here, but what I'm saying is he put in a lot of effort, he, and I appreciate that. Well, even from what his army scored at Alamo in paint to what his army has here in paint is about that five-point swing. Right. I, I didn't scale his Alamo army, but the things at Alamo, I told him, I, I need to see better from you in this aspect. He's doing a lot of that to get it up to that right. level. So uh, you're at a point now, I think you can share some of the cool armies that you've seen and dump some praise on people that this is an awesome, unbelievable paint job or an army or a unit or a conversion uh, display board, whatever, whatever. So if I start down this path, I will go for probably four hours, maybe well, four you, and a half you hours. Can, you, you can but stop. I'm going to throw names out. Yeah. They're going to be, they're not necessarily going to be top table or top painters. Most of them will be. Um, there were a lot of cool ideas. Right. So. So I'm going to go on a random tangent, Rob. I'm sorry. Player's choice is a, a category we do for voting where players vote on the army they like best, typically. Yeah. I use the rule when I vote for that, what's the army I want to take home with me? Yeah, that's what And it doesn't be- necessarily mean it's the best painted. Yes. It's what's coolest. Some people do what list do I like best. I, I do it very weird because I'm a weird person. I take the army that has an element I want to steal the most and try and use as something. And I've got six different armies in here that I want to take an element okay. and see if I well, can do that. I'm excited to hear So what... Brian Brodeur has ogres, ogres marching across a marshland. And the way he's moving things and flowing things, I want to try and take some elements of that and do an army that's coming through a marsh. And so you're convey. referring to the models, the way they're yeah, walking. the way the models marching. are based, the way they're slogging through. I've played with water effects before, but I've never tried to do it on the scale of an entire terrain board. I really want to start playing with water right. elements in as a presentation to see what you can do with it in ways no one's ever done, because that's kind of what I try to do. Right. Um, so Brian is from so, the mountain region, or he's actually from the yeah mountain region. He's Oklahoma. Ogres. Yep. Awesome looking army. It's a flesh-colored ogre army. Yes, it is. If you've seen it in some of the pictures. As far as impressive armies, Austin Kerrigan has a demon prince that is probably the best painted single model I've seen at a tournament in five years. Right. It's just stunningly gorgeous. Ryan Munsell had a unit that I spent almost five minutes just staring at and flipping over. Uh, a unit of large infantry. I'm not... It's a salamander list, so I'm not sure what the he's tyrants, running them at. The tyrants, I think. Yeah. Um, that was just shockingly And they're orange, good. right? Yeah. Uh, and they're from a resin oh, they're, model. They're silver. They're gray and silver. Okay. The orange ones he's using are salamanders, and I want to say they're Mercia models. Okay. Just, just throwing out my, my homeboys back <laughs> Um Brinton Williams had one of the most fun interpretations of a unit I've seen yet, where he did a chariot horde as a single giant fight wagon on which he had modeled six or four or six tabletop games Featuring some of the players from his region and some of the feature, uh, some of the faces from After Dark, where he's a frequent painter. Dustin Howard was in yeah, there. Yeah, Dustin was in there. Rashad was in there. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Swan. Jeff Swan you was were in there. there. Mark Cox. Yeah, Mark and I were ruling up from the top as the TOs, as a Skaven in a little tower and, thing, in a little cool. tower ruling over it because Alamo's got a tower. We typically put scoring up on it. Right, and that I think is playing with one of the fun things in Kings of War that you don't have to use X model for this thing. You have to use something that's roughly the right height and the right shape and make sure it has enough models to tell what it is. So the idea he had there was amazing as well. Jeff Swan had an interpretation of uh, water elementals I would really like to see a little more effort into. He and I talked about it already, so he's going to be kind of sad I'm throwing him under the bus on it. But but it, it was a river flowing into the elementals, and the concept just really moved things around. 
Um, and then there were some boards, Jeff Shiltgen's board, even without discussing the amazingness of the models, he, he had a perfect composition of how to make someone walk across a room with a tall element, and then the tall element trailed into the sides of his display board, which was round, and led your eyes down to the bottom unit, which was his infantry horde, and then that led you back into the rest of the army. And it was a, a very textbook artistic style of how to make someone look at every element of an army leading their eyes around with how you place units and how you move boundaries. Um, Kevin Von Felt and um, Keith Conroy, I walked someone else around and I was showing paint judge ideas. Both of them had elements where they had colors on their basing. Kevin has a very coral-themed army that's undead under the water. So he's got turquoises and then he's got green lichens and pink lichens and it looks like an aquarium. But then in the units themselves, he has that turquoise, and he has the pink, and he has the green, so that they belong within the world he's built around them. And um, Keith did the same thing, where he had a muddier brown uh, base, but he had orange and brown and red leaves scattered across it, that unless you got really down and looked at it, you didn't even notice they were there. You just took for granted that that was the scenic element, and you didn't think about it. But the belts were the same color as the leaves, and the wristbands were the same color as the orange leaves. Right. And echoing your base into your models is a great way to tie an army together visually um, and just do amazing things with it. Mike Adkins has his um, high-contrast Twilightkin list. Yeah, real high-contrast. It pops. It's amazingly done in a style you don't see in Kings of War at all. Right. Where it's very hard, con- very hard transitions, very hard lines, but yeah, there's extremely like no blending. high it's, contrast. It's, it's, Everything looks like a gem, which for the otherworldliness he's trying to convey in the army is amazing, and yeah. it's a little disrupting because your body doesn't quite know what to do with it visually. There's no metallics in it. He's telling you what white is, right. and he's putting it everywhere in the army. So you're seeing tiny details you don't see on a normal sculpt of a uh, mantic gargoyle. It's, but because he's pointing it out with pure white, your eyes are seeing things that you don't normally see in the model. It almost feels like you're looking at camouflage. Yes. And your eyes just doesn't really know what to say. Uh, I think <laughs> it's it's visually the coolest representation of the stealthy rule I've seen where 90% of the model is extremely dark, but the parts that are going to kill you, you can see. Ah, interesting. Um, Dustin Howard brought his giant Castle of Grayskull theme. He decided to play around with source lighting some. Uh, Jeff Swan had one of the best examples of source lighting I think he's ever did done. He has a giant eagle with a caster underneath it who's holding up a lamp or a, a staff. And then that staff is casting green light onto the owl's wing that's kind of surrounding her and the owl's underbelly above her. Nice. Um, and he's done it so subtly that when you look at it from a distance, you don't realize it's not a light source until you get in there and go, oh, he did it that way. John Green's got his Spartans. I've talked about his army a couple of times. I may not have done it here, but I've done it in other places. Um, it's a very amazing theme. Um, have I missed any of the And you're a fan ones? of the way he antiques, right? Yes, I, I think what he does with weathering powder and glazes on his copper and bronze is something I've never tried because I don't use metallics, but it's a a fantastic way to bring those in and give you control over metallics. Metallics are a hard thing to paint in at a high level because they reflect natural light and they resist coloration. If you mix in other colors with them, it goes wrong very quickly. And John makes it look like weathered copper and weathered brass in the context of his models, which are very pitted as a, a Spartan army. And it, it's just beautiful. Right. And then Scott Holcomb is the last one I'm missing. And his army is literally just sitting right next to me right, right now. He's playing on the table next to me. So I'm not going to talk too loudly about it. But 
he made a mistake and didn't label it on Saturday <gasps> night, and he almost got Did no paint score. And I, Did you scream at I him like politely fussed at him today. Um, he's got um, some great 3D printed elements in his display to try and bring it together. And he's doing some interesting experiments with etherealness in his unit that make me want to try something completely opposite. He's got a, an ethereal ghost unit that's kind of dry brushed a little bit, where the rest of his army is painted in a very clean layering style. Because the difference in the way they're highlighted makes your eyes think it's misty and ghostly. And I almost want to play it in the inverse where I airbrush a ghost unit while I do my layering on a different mm-hmm. unit. Um, I just don't know that I'm getting to undead this decade. Right. Well, I mean, does Mirsh, don't you already, didn't you already do a Mirsh, uh undead army? Uh, I did a Mantic undead army. Okay. Uh, I did an army of darkness a number of years ago for a different game system. That, that shall not be named. No, no, I don't talk about my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> what other army is that it well let's talk about pain judging uh, obviously the standard was high so it must have made breaking him down and separating them very difficult yeah so there is a lot of pressure when you are a paint judge especially one that cares very very much about hobby there's intense pressure on you to do it right and not get it wrong and even after i turned in paint scores i was going back to some of the armies that I thought I had slighted and comparing them to the armies around them to say, yes, you are still with your peers or no, you need to be higher or no, this army needs to be below you. Um, I have, I have tips for those who are going, I don't know how to paint judge. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to elaborate on them. People kept asking me for what's your rubric? What's your rubric? I hate rubrics. Painting is an art and art is something that is highly subjective. With that said, you don't have to be a good painter to be able to tell what good paint is. You, it's sometimes difficult to tell if something is technically done well if you don't know it, but you can be a terrible cook, but know if a hamburger is an amazing hamburger, a mediocre right. hamburger, or a bad hamburger. So what I do is I create categories of paint. And you can say, this is a tabletop army. And in everyone's mind, they go, oh, I know what a tabletop army is. You can say, this is a tournament quality army where they've stepped it up to go to a tournament. And they'll go, oh, I know kind of in my mind what a tournament quality army should look like. Then you find, this is a superior quality army. This has had a lot of effort put into it. And they go, I can kind of see that. And then my last category is award winning. This is a brush with death army. This is made to compete at very high levels. And you go, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And so with those in your mind, you walk the floor the first night and you look at armies and go, what is this? Is this in this range? Is this in that range? And you identify this is the tabletop army for this tournament. That army gets the average tabletop score of your range for the tournament. And then you go, is every army higher or lower than this army? And then you shift it as needed based on that. If suddenly everything is higher than your tabletop army, that means you picked a bad tabletop army and you need to find where your new baseline is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you break it into groups like that, then your second time around, you've walked through, you've got your categories, you've got a baseline army, and you go, okay, which category is this in? And mm-hmm. I give myself flexibility where I don't do just the categories of award-winning superior tournament and tabletop. I've got plus and minus to each of this. So this is a tabletop plus a few elements that are superior. This is an award-winning army minus a few that are uh, just superior quality. Mm-hmm. This is a award-winning army minus minus a few that are just tabletop quality. And then that lets me walk through the next day when I have hours and hours to do it and go, okay, I said this was in this category. Where is it relative to all of these others? And so instead of comparing this army to 64 other armies, I'm comparing this army to the 10 or 12 other armies that are in the same category as it. 
and then maybe these two units are in this other category, so I've got to look and look at that. Once you do that, you've then got, in theory, a start-to-finish list of, this is my best army, this is my worst army, and here's every army in between. And what you do from there is start at your best army, walk to the second best army and go, which one's better? And then you walk to the third best and go, is this better than the one I just looked at? And then you take a look from there and you can flip people up or down because you're not comparing their army to 64 other armies. You're comparing their army to one army. And then you're comparing the next army to that army. And so at the end of the day, you have 64 armies where you feel that they are either better, worse, or the same technical quality as the army above and the army below them. Right. So Um, in some regards, it's a reflection of, uh, yeah, we've talked about this, consistency, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what score you give them as long as uh, the the pretty armies get the higher points and the the average armies get less points. Yes and no. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Because... People also are going to look at the categories and go, okay, I got an 85. The metric says an 85 is uh, the middle of a tournament quality army. Do I feel I have a tournament quality army? Right. I was joking with Mark at check-in. I should ask everyone, what category do you think your army is in? Well, you know, there's some people that actually do that with rubrics and stuff where you pre... We're going to make you do that at... uh, Well, we're going to let Mark do it for you guys because you don't (laughs) like to do it. But uh, we'll let Mark fill out the uh, painting rubric for Blue City, but... That would be interesting to see, uh, you know, um, whether or not uh, they're in the same wavelength as you. Yes. Like, we're, we're, we're understanding, yes, where we both think we're in the same yeah, broad if bucket. If you tell me you have a superior army and I grade it and it's a tabletop army, you're going to come to me and go, why is it so low? And I need to be prepared to tell you why it got the score it did. I was also very fortunate to have Mark handling logistics that when I'm running Alamo, I have to handle myself like scoring, like terrain, right. like rules questions. So I was able Mark's to just, was real smiling. just focus on painting so that I wasn't distracted as easily. And so I could put the time into it to make sure that I'm right. But it also let me take pictures of every army. So mm-hmm. I could take a picture of an army and go, this was its best unit, this was its worst mm-hmm. unit. This is where it slipped from one category to another because it wasn't superior, but it has really bad mold lines. Right. And my eyes only see that. You may have an amazingly painted army, but if you've got a mold line running down the middle of the forehead of a model, I have trouble seeing what you've done with painting because I'm like, why didn't you put a little bit of green stuff right. in that? And I don't penalize someone if your model breaks in the middle of a tournament. I'm not going to say that's wrong, but... If you didn't file the mold lines off the legs of every one of your horses in a cavalry list, my eyes are going to always see those mold lines on you from then on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, paint judging here is a lot more difficult than Alamo. It was easier because I could focus on what I was right. doing, but it's harder because there was a great pressure to get it right. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we didn't probably hit on, it's really when it can be done, having paint judging done by one individual or one group simultaneously is way better than having because you know Adepticon so huge they have groups of people and they use like a calibration system yeah. and it's, but you're never going to be perfect I would agree with that but you, you can mitigate that a little bit because in everyone's minds I think a tournament quality army is a tournament quality army right um, a tabletop quality army is a tabletop quality army and I don't think that would differ much from rules right. judge to rules judge so you can break up rules judging or rules judging paint judging by saying you here are the tabletop armies, sort them. Right. You, here are the tournament armies, sort them. And then they can look at the bottoms, the ones that overlap each region, and say, does this really belong in with yours? Does this one really belong in with mine? And you can still fix it that way with multiple judges doing the same job and, and make it slightly less subjective. 
Um, I had a gentleman walking with me a little bit that I'm trying to teach paint judging to. That would be Nathan Arnold. Nathan Arnold. I also had my normal assistant, David Sweat, for some of it. And having a second set of eyes will point out things I miss. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at entire armies, I'm looking at 64 of them, and I might miss that this unit over here has a bad mold line, or it it's based in a different way that makes it disjointed from the rest of their army. Or, even worse, there's freehand on this side that you looked at it from two angles, but I obviously won't pick up every model in every army and turn them and look at them. And the the way tables are set up makes it difficult to 360-degree walk around an army. So they would point out, did you see this over here, to make sure... I saw things that maybe I would have missed, and in one case did miss very badly. Well, how do you think you did? Um, There are two or three that I am still not satisfied I got right, but they are surrounded by the right people. It's more, do I flip? I'm going to throw arbitrary numbers because I don't know that that I'm correct. Are the 49th and 50th right, or should the 50th really be 48? Then the 49th is fine, but the 48th should have been the 50th. There's finagling within that that I could have copped out and said you get the same score. And there are a lot of armies that did end up with the same scores because some are painted to the same levels. But I think I got it right. right. And, and I think a lot of people will disagree with me because everyone feels you did a better job than you say. And I'm going to throw the challenge out there. If you feel I messed your paint, ju- your paint score up, shoot me a personal message. Yeah, Reach well, out to me, Ryan Smith, on Facebook. I'm on a bunch of groups. Ask me what you can do to be better. Ask me what I saw. And I will, I will tell you what I saw, and if I miss something, I'm sorry, but I gave your army five to ten minutes to get it right because you spent hours on it. I owe it to you to do yeah. my absolute best to get it right. Well, people do the same thing you're doing, which is um, if I, like, you might, I might say, okay, here's my army. Here's where I scored. What's the army right above me? And then you make those comparisons between those two armies and say, well, should I be below that person? And the same thing with, does that make sense? Yeah. They're doing the same thing you're doing. And, and, by and we all have home, home style, you know, we're always home team guy, right? So yeah. Our, our stuff well, why is my better. teammate down there? Right. Well, you may not have seen the mold lines on the back of his unit. You may not have seen the freehand this one guy had on the back of his cloak because you're not sitting on that side of the table with him. Um, so sometimes yeah. you feel an army above you is worse when you're not seeing all it's doing. Um, well, some and, armies and, and, like Brenton Williams' army, mm-hmm. I'm not... It had fun conversions, but I don't think people realize how technically well-painted it is because it's very dark. And in a venue like Alamo where you're lit by fluorescent lighting, you have to pick up the models and look at them just to see how much detail and how much texture is in there. Because mostly when you look at a tabletop army, you're standing up looking at a table two to three feet below you. Right. And when you're painting a model, you're holding it six inches from your face. So there's a big difference. And you can paint to that, but... I'm not going to force everyone to paint the paint style I do that allows right. that. Because right. that's not fair of me to say my style is best. My style is one choice. Mike Adkins' style is a choice. Uh, Brinton's style is a choice. Austin's style is a choice. And how well they execute that style is what I'm judging, not whether I like their style better than What else about paint? I mean, you've touched <laughs> a lot of it. You'd be glad when it's over? Uh, and you have, you've you picked a winner and we're done? I've picked a winner for paint. I will be glad when the tournament is done and we're boxed up and I can hang out for a little bit. I still owe three people questions on, hey, can you talk to me about what I can do better? And if I didn't get to you and you're listening to this and it's Monday and I still hadn't gotten to you, I'm so, so sorry. There, <laughs> when you're judging 64 armies, you, you're doing it full time the entire time. I only right. ate meals during games. I skipped dinner Friday night. I had dinner at midnight last night trying to get this right in the time I have in the venue. And it's also rude when someone's playing a game to be grabbing models out of the oh, dead sure. pile. I, that's because really, then I'm only getting your chaff most of the time, which probably isn't your best painted. 
No, I deserve to see it as you're you're presenting it. Yeah, you're going to want to paint. You're always going to paint better on centerpiece models, characters. Your giant centerpiece, your monsters, your characters, your wizards, your your elite smaller units. And and I owe it to you to judge how you're presenting your army as well. Because if you're telling a narrative in the way you present it, like several people have done, I need to listen to the story you're telling and see how it's moving. Uh, Kings of War lets us do so many things narratively with basing. Um, there's an army, and I'm going to feel awful because I don't remember who it is, where his chariots are dodging in and out of trees. And that's telling me a story. Is that George O'Connell? I don't. It may have been. You know what? I think it was George's. Yeah. But the funny part of it is he has one unit that's about to go headlong into a tree. And I didn't like it. And then I went, I think he did that on purpose as a humor as a element yeah. of even elite elves are going to run into trees sometimes. That's funny. Well, are you happy with the results? I, I am satisfied that I have the right paint scores for the top mm, 40 tables. Well, that's all. 40 players. And I copped out a little lower down and did ties where I could have probably separated. But then I'm pushing other people's scores down that don't necessarily deserve it. So right. I am I'm content with what I have done. All right. Well, that's all it's we can like ask. any army, right? You're not really done. You just reach a point where you stop working on. It. Right. You don't. I, I'm not going to add that extra highlight. I'm not going to black line. I'm not going to do whatever. It, I'm not going to add those flowers. When to the I base. got up to come over here, Mark said, "You're not going to go look at another freaking army, are you?" Uh, he didn't use the word freaking. No, he did not. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on. Rob, thank you for having me. Thanks for bringing all your stuff over. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, this is the end of game six, U.S. Masters 2019. We're with the top table. We got Brad McKay and Christopher James. Uh, let's start with Chris because you have not been on the cast this time for U.S. Masters. Where are you from? Give us a little bit of background, your army, and how you've been faring this uh, weekend. All right. Uh, so I'm from Tampa, Florida. It's a 19-hour drive up here, but I brought Undead, and I it was kind of unusual because I qualified with Goblins the entire year. Is that a smart move? I think it was, especially since I just, yeah, especially since I played Brad, he would just shot me off the table with goblins. Um, but yeah, I felt like a lot of my matchups, Undead, were a lot better in. And I, I think it kind of showed. I think I went 4 1 and 1. 4 1 and 1. So, I'll, so 4 I'll wins, a tie, and a loss. Yep, so I'll take it. What's your list? It's very surge heavy. Um, a, there's a lot of inspiration from Daniel King's list from right. the UK. Uh, so it's the two Wraith regiments. One has Brewer Strength, so it's crushing two. Uh, one has Fire Oil that I didn't get to use a single time in this tournament uh two zombie regiments which are just for unlocks and just scoring objectives at the end of the game and then barrel white a barrel white horde just for my last unlock um and then we have a flying pharaoh of course as you do uh then two revenant kings one of them had brew of sharpness so it's kind of like a cheap dragon so i think per points for the nerve it's 280 points for 1820 it's like one of the best deals you can kind of get in that situation um and then one with mace of crushing just for a little bit more safety and kind of dealing some damage um such as like grounding flyers um taking away casting stuff like that um and then a lich king which i pretty much decked him out to be like morgoth so he had lightning bolt five surge 12 heal six and boots of levitation so you can kind of move him around 16 inches anywhere on the table and he can still cast mm-hmm. and then morgoth and of course, Morgoth. And then his regen buff, I think, went on the Barrel Whites every single game. All right. And Brad, over to you. You played the Twilight Kin. Give us the highlights of your list again. I know we've said it probably 100 times, and you probably can say it with no problem. Four chariots, four dragons. One of them's technically a Bissel Fiend, blah, blah, blah. But four dragons. Right. Yeah. And dragon. And some gargoyles. Awesome. 
All right. Well, let's set this. Let's set the scenario up. What was the scenario of the game? It was occupied. Occupied. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chris, Brad had a big lead in points. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is in your head going? Okay. It was a 16 point lead, I think. 16 points. So what do you? You come to the table. You know you got to beat them by 16 points. Go big points. or go home. So what do you do? I'm going to be very honest here. I went to the table knowing I'm not going to win. <laughs> Why'd you I, think that? I hate to say that. Uh, for one, Brad made zero mistakes in six turns. Yeah, but you didn't know that when you got to the table, right? You True. Just... But I saw the list: four chariot hordes, four dragons. It's. Um, I think one of the weaknesses in my list too is multiple dragons. He definitely covered that very well. But yeah. It's just too much volume of shooting. So for you were intimidated before you even got to the table. Yeah, I might have bit, played a bit. He was already in your head. Oh yeah, that's a bad way to start a game. That's so, um, because we've actually talked about this a few times yeah. this week, and uh, so I'm Dan. I've been yeah, on here a couple times. Yeah, it's all good. Dan's my new my uh, new host. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm taking Jeremy's spot for the weekend. So uh, I'm actually curious if to hear you guys talk about what your thoughts were going into the game with the dot deployment. Actually. You know, did you have a strategy in mind with the dot deployment and how you were actually going to maybe use that to your guys' advantage? Right. So maybe start with you. Sure. Uh, yeah, dot deployment. Uh, we actually had really big terrain pieces on our table. Um, so literally, the objective was just grab cover. Pretty much it. <laughs> Pretty much put my entire army behind it. So if he issued something, he's taking a lot of heavy modifiers for it. Hopefully, I can heal it off so I don't lose much of anything. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of played out well, um, but I also think there might have been some like low volumes of shooting. You're also shooting out a bunch of individuals, but I, I think it played out well. How about you, Brad? My main goal, and it often has been this tournament, was to use the impassable to try to section the board. Um, I fight best on a four or five foot board instead of six foot. Yeah. So let's lock this down a little bit. And if my opponent does make the mistake of playing games with that, I have four dragons. I can just redeploy them over into the small section of ice. Yeah. Or right. even the chariots themselves are quite fast and mobile and easily redeployable as well. Right. So how did the terrain look? Uh, you know, give us a description of the, of the battlefield, and then maybe we'll touch on deployment. How you guys deployed? I think they're just like a couple big pieces in the center, and then on the. My left side, which is pretty much where my army went. I think that was pretty much it. Um, I don't think of anything else most notable. It was really, it was two hills down the middle. Right. Really big hills touching each other, essentially, with impassable on on his left, um, a long impassable kind of right behind that, and then a smaller impassable on his board edge side, so that it's kind of at the two edges of these hills, and then trees wandering off in every direction right and how about deployment you guys yeah like i literally deployed on one side um i was trying to like the left corner yeah i was uh, on my left side um and it kind of played out uh in the fact that i think my occupied tokens were on that left side yours the ones that you placed on the right side so we're pretty much trying to grab our tokens like mine on the left his on the right and seeing who can get that center that's pretty much what it came down to i Fortunately, got the second objective placement, so that actually was helpful for me here, yeah. because I let him put his on one side, and yeah. I just immediately placed on the exact no, opposite totally. side. I, I I can totally see that because otherwise he's just going to put his close to yours, and then that actually then you're fighting over the same portion of the board. Right, right. You you wanted that division, and that makes sense. With yeah. the surge, he doesn't have the speed to split his army like that. I'm just going to go to one side and let's go from there. And I'll take mine. I'll hold it. I only need a draw. I the map is. At that point, I actually needed no... It's like, like six points, five points. Right. Yeah. A, a 15 would have been fine for me. So even if he gets a small attrition and wins, I don't care. So I just take my two and mm-hmm. I'll go home. But I keep the pressure in the middle so he doesn't think he can do that. Right. He doesn't think I'll let it go and he has to play me. 
It worked. It definitely worked. <laughs> Man, so you just got to be Brad McKay and you can get people to play right into your game. I wish I could be Brad McKay. I wish I could be Brad McKay too. <laughs> Any key moments in the game that you guys think are noteworthy that you want to talk about? I think it was hilarious. You wavered Morgoth with boxcars at one point. Yes. I'm like, oh, oh man, that's that Fireball 15. I don't get to me. <laughs> and it was, it was needed because Morgoth was hitting lightning bolts and doing four wounds repeatedly, and he was yeah. going to start popping chariots, and that would have been a problem. Yeah, I pretty much had to use like what minimum shooting I had to try and like put wounds here, put wounds there, put wounds there. But like at the end of the game, yeah, just wasn't enough. Just kind of give us, I mean, how'd the game go, Chris, from your end? I want to say it went a lot better than expected. My whole army didn't die, so I mean, that was really good that <laughs> came out of it. Um, but I think I stuck with my objective really well. Just keep everything back, score at the end of the game. Um, uh, just unfortunately, neither of us could get that middle token. That's pretty much why that draw happened. So what was the final blackjack score? I think it was 10-10. It was 10-10. 10-10. Yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts on blackjack scoring? It's I'm kind of half and half at it. I'm leaning towards liking it. Um, I don't think it really affects too much, though, but it does mean that if you do lose a game, you can always come back. And that's really what I like about it. Kind of in the 20... Uh, yeah, if you keep the loss small, then yeah. you're not completely out of it. And I know you, you're you a fan, I guess, right? Yeah. It, it works out. It works out. <laughs> All right, so... It worked out for you, that's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, looking back, was there anything you do differently? I mean, obviously, you're not, because you, you won, but... Chris, anything you do differently? I probably wouldn't have sent that Pharaoh in, honestly. I was like, maybe I can turn off shooting from like, from a couple cherry hordes for maybe one or two turns, but in the end, I don't think it was completely worth it. I don't disagree, but I was on the other side. It's hard. To, it's hard to you know have an opinion, right? Right, right, I, right. That's probably the only thing I would change, though. Was it honest. enough of a mistake that you were inside? You were, like, jumping for joy? It's like, yes, yes, I'm glad he did that. <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing. I'm always thinking when chariots are getting hit by a pharaoh. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to pop him. Crap, he's going to then start regening. Crap, he's just going to keep, you know. <laughs> he's going to pop him eventually if he yeah. keeps on. Yeah. Right. So is it sinking in yet? A little bit. A little bit. Congratulations. I'm starting to crash a little bit. Thank yeah, you. yeah, it's a long weekend. Six games. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the three and three format? 4-2 all day. 4-2, especially since I have Are you leaving hours. tonight? Yep. I have 17 hours to drive back, so I would very much appreciate 4-2. Interesting. So I have a question for you. Did you ever think I was going to go balls in? You got nothing to lose, right? I actually thought about it, but I don't think I was in a position to do it at any point in that game. But is there something you could have done? What would have a big loss done for you? I guess at that point you're trying to maintain your position in top five. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Just trying to maintain something. I know I'm not going to get first, but maybe I can get that maybe third or fourth, maybe. It all depends on how big the wins are behind you. Right. You were right. Nathan Clevenger was at 77, and then we had, I think, two people at 76. So likely... You may end up fourth or yeah. fifth, maybe, or it just depends on. It's hard to say. I don't. I don't know. The Top final. five would be great. Yeah. 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 Did you have a good game though? That's what's most important. Yeah, that was a really good game. And what did you? What, really what did Brad teach you that you didn't know going into the game? I didn't know. I don't know. I feel like I went into the game knowing uh, four chariot hordes and four dragons would be very tough. It sounds like an army you'd play. Yeah, maybe. Uh, watch out, Florida. Uh, but yeah, I don't think not much. I don't think. Looking back on the tournament, anything you would do differently? I mean, my first game was a loss against Brindley, and it kind of ties into that blackjack how you can still lose and then still come back up, right? Which I think I like a lot. Um, but probably submarine to victory. Yep, one hundred percent. But I'm, I'm sure there's something in that game that I could have done differently. But it was the first game, so I'm not really sure on the details there but I'm sure there's something turn that loss to a, maybe a draw or even a win mm-hmm. but yeah alright well thanks guys thank you yeah, thank you
such fun units on the board. Talking to Jeremy Duvall, the end of game six. The the weekend's over. Yes. Where how'd your last game go? Because you had some pretty yeah. horrible horrible matchups or games results. Game six. Who'd you play? I play Billy from Mountain Region. Twilight Henninger. Yeah, Twilight King. You had that really cool uh, formation. Yeah, I got a horde of werewolves into the flank of a dragon and a horde. Sorry, a horde of Aloha into a flank. A horde of werewolves into the front. I couldn't even. I didn't even waver the dragon. And that put him in a position where he killed Alohi, werewolves, all in one turn. Right. Um, and then the game just, like, catapulted down that. I had, some, I had some good games. That's tough. You know, a couple of my losses came from needing a turn seven that didn't come or needing the game to end. Oh, yeah. You that know? was the story of your day, right? Yeah, pretty much. When you needed game seven or turn seven, you didn't get it. When you didn't want it, it... Yeah. And that was like last Masters. The one loss that I probably I really had that was like legit. I really legitimately made some mistakes was against Tim Smith, uh, his herd army. Right. We don't really have the, the the problem with the West is we have good players, but we don't have variety. Right. So we don't see good players play right. different lists. So that was the first time I'd seen herd played by someone uh, piloting the list well. Mm-hmm. So there was some stuff. Stuff in there that I just had never seen before. So that happened twice. Playing Tim Smith and then playing Joey Greek's Night Stalkers. Right. I've never played Night Stalkers before. I was so busy looking at his list and his models trying to figure out what everything was that I wasn't concentrating on what was going on on the board. We're joined by Kyle Poole. How'd your weekend go? How'd your last game go? Uh, last game went great. Who'd you I, play? Uh, I played Dan Wright, Big Dan. Oh, EOD. EOD. And I might have won myself out of Counter Charger. I was sitting right in the middle of the pack, so we'll have to see what happens. Did you have a good weekend? I had a fantastic weekend. Aside from eating... Where's the Mohawk? It's gone. Uh, I'm wearing a sweater right now. It's a little sweaty. The Mohawk may not have made it through the day, but we'll see what it looks like in the reward pictures. You're sweating like a pig, man. Beer and beer and sweaters don't matter. Absolutely. How was the weekend? Fun? Oh, the, the weekend is a blast. There's, there's a reason that... I took like three and a half days off. I didn't quit my job this year, though. That's, to, to that's, a, bonus. that's, that's a, a bonus. That's a bonus. No, the Masters is Masters is always like my top two events every year. Uh, Mountaineer was unreal. Indy, well, the that, one day. Uh, Andrew Summers, the one day, maybe my favorite one day event ever. He just runs a, such a clean and fun event. But Masters, fantastic weekend, fantastic. We came in a day early. We're staying a day late to enjoy Texas because if you're in Texas, Did you drive Texas. down here. Oh, uh, we flew. Who, who's who's we? Um, most of the Midwest, actually. So me and Grant Fetter are going to hang out day two, really enjoy the river walk without the pressure of getting ready you for You played Grant Fetter, didn't you? Uh, I played him uh, as a prep game in the hotel lobby right. when we got in uh, Thursday night. Did it night. teach you anything about your army? Uh, it did, because uh, Grant Fetter really does a different play style than the rest of the Midwest. He's got the, the abyss. Maybe he's the not Midwest. Maybe he's really like a mountain guy. Yeah, yeah. He was infiltrating you to find out what was going on. He was, he was a mountain he merc. Was, right? He was sneaking as a mountain merc. No, it it uh, really taught me more about how to control artillery. We don't see a lot of artillery in the Midwest at all. so Because it doesn't work. That's one theory. Well, in the Midwest, it doesn't work. In the Midwest, it doesn't work, no. Because, I mean, you take 21 drops, 18 drops is like a medium yeah, army. Yeah, your artillery killed a unit, great. And then yeah. the next unit is I'm over considered there. a lead at 19 with my goblin army this year. Right. That's that's an elite army. What did you see out there on the floor in terms of lists? Any lists that you were excited about? Um, yeah, there there was a lot more fighty armies than I was expecting. I, I really sort of designed my, my master's list to be a counter to the range meta that, that we struggle against, like mid-Atlantic and stuff. So mm-hmm. 
I faced a lot of very fast hammer armies with like one shooting support unit. And that really caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting the piles of hammers that I faced this year. Twilight Kin spam, chariot spam. I didn't play a single Twilight Kin player. There's a lot of players. The closest to shooting I got was Keith Randall's two shooting units. How'd you do against Keith? Took a guaranteed draw and turned it into a loss by getting uh, <laughs> You let Todd Randall beat you? I certainly let Mr. Randall uh, beat me. Yeah, we had a we had a draw. I moved up my trolls thinking I could secure a win. Yeah, yeah. After his move, I realized that even doing what I did, he still would have scored a mm-hmm. draw. But I had inadvertently moved into Arc of the Dracons by like two millimeters. Mm-hmm. So I could have just passed my turn, guaranteed a 10-10. But I thought oh, I had a way man, to, that, to force a move, and I ended that, up getting a rough. 16-5 loss out of a 10-10 oh. draw. So you gave six <clears throat> oh, points away. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Brutal. That's bad. The difference is, I know not, that's a, that's a loss on me, right? So that's right. something that I can control. You're not, you can't complain about the dice or anything. At least it's a, a, a loss yeah. you can shoulder and take ownership for. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a draw going into So we're playing Eliminate mm-hmm. with a giant forest in the middle over the token. So I'm just unit strength behind the woods. He's not willing to go in because I'll blow it up with giants and bombs. Right. Yeah, I think a loss when it's your own fault, those aren't frustrating to me at all because it's like, well, what did I do that I can correct next time? It's like a tangible something that you can leverage into getting better. Absolutely. I'll yeah. remember it for like a year, yeah. but there, you can't look at Keith and be like, I lost that because of you or because, wow, you did 11 hits, 11 wounds on Well, he's handsome. Dice. He's tall. So maybe he... Yeah. Well, we, he can sue you, right? Right. Well, that's too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, me and Keith kind of look in a mirror and it's basically the same person. Um, except he's tall, dark, and successful. <laughs> but no, he's tall and dark. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a handsome guy. But it was absolutely. He fantastic. used to be. He's let himself go since he got married. I'd say the oh, hardest snap. part. Oh well, that's I mean, true. I'm not the only one that says that. Have you, have you seen? He me, says Rob? it himself. Uh, have you Have you seen me, Rob? Uh, you're a handsome guy too. Yeah, me and my wife gained the same amount of pregnancy weight. <laughs> well, you share in the load with her. That's absolutely. Good. But I would say for Masters, uh, the hardest part of Masters is choosing your top three games. What mm-hmm. about you, Jeremy? Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty tough. Did you guys finish already? Doing Absolutely. It? Yeah. Nice. It's pretty tough. So, are you looking back on the weekend? Did you have a good time? Looking back on the weekend, glad I came. Uh, what, would you glad I, about, what would you change about your list? I would have probably took the one that I was playing before I got here. Um, I really thought there would be a much heavier shooting meta. Switching to the trolls is stronger at that. Mm-hmm. Um, against all these hammers, part of why I was that 14 wins, one draw right. list was all the unit strength that brought to the table. Hammers can't chew through that. Shooting can. I was expecting a lot more shooting. That the Adam Ballard list, mm-hmm. the you know the old Jeff O'Neill's list, the Ken spam that we saw. Except uh, I didn't face those. Right. Well, thanks for coming on, Kyle. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, back again. Uh, this is end of day two, game six. We got the second table. Uh, it was Nathan Clevenger was at 77 points and Shan Shoemaker. How, were you at 76? Yeah. So we, we talked to you before, I think, about your list, right? But just give us your list again, Nathan. It was two hordes of earth elementals, one with the Blessing of the Gods, the other with Healing Brew. It was two regiments of Iron Guard, one regiment of Iron Clad, two regiments of the Mastiff Packs, um, <clears throat> a troop of Brock Riders, a regiment of Brock Riders with the Brew of Strength, then it was a stone priest with Bane Chant, Martyr's Prayer, and the Banner of the Griffin on him. Then there was the uh, a standard bearer with the Loot of Insatiable Darkness, a king with the Wings of Honey Maze, and then three Berserker Brock Lords, all with, uh, one with Blade of Leaf Slayer, one with Blade of Slashing, and the last one with the uh, Mace of Crushing. And over to you, Shannon. 
I had two rabble hordes, two chariot hordes, a spitter horde, two kings on chariots, one with slash, one with mace of crushing, two mincers, the mega blaster, three giants, uh, a flagger on foot with rowling, a flagger mounted with the diadem, and a mounted mage with blood blood. Awesome. All right, uh, we were playing Occupy in the last game, right? Yep. Um, Nathan, what was your, you knew you were playing Shannon. Mm -hmm. What was your thought process? You're playing Shannon. Uh, mm -hmm. Give us a breakdown of how you were going to play the scenario. What were you going to do with dot deployment? What was you know kind of what was your game plan? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have as much shooting as you normally see out of uh, out of a lot of. Well, he doesn't live in the southeast. Yeah, so he doesn't. Yeah, so he comes and visits a lot, but he's not living down there, so he he hasn't been infected with the shooting menace yet. But um, so again, though, still I want to limit the opportunity for shooting from his two hordes of uh, fleabag chariots and from his uh, his rabble horde. So, kind of go ahead and throw some force towards the middle. I think you put one of the other force right near the middle, didn't you? Or, I think so. I yeah. think we both put one. And so, I mean, this this table had some massive hills. That that one big, that one, you know, old GW hill is was huge. was like a plastic hill or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and not it's, smooth on top. So yeah, and it's like it's like fourteen inches across and. Um, and horizontally in like eight or nine inches the other direction. You so played on that table twice too, right? Yeah. Because technically it was the top table, mm -hmm. but it was table one, but you had played on it. Yeah. 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 And then, um, you know, I had some good size forests. I had a good, decent size height too, uh, piece of terrain. Um, so again, you know, Shannon had three giants. And so, you know, Strider, they don't particularly care. Right. But it's limiting visibility, you know, forcing him to put them in somewhere so he can charge them out. Um, and trying to cut that distance down, so as soon as he moves into the covered, the moves into the terrain, so he can charge them out. I can get across them. Um, during deployment, you know, Shannon started pushing his two hordes of chariots to our my left, his right, which is where his two point token was right on my side side of the table. So uh, I kind of put some Brock lords and the kings of honey maze over there to flood around and try to keep them from from getting to that, and that worked. They never got to the two-point objective, but uh, couldn't get them off the table fast enough for them to for the last horde to come over and help with uh, one of the one-point objectives. I think so. Shannon, same, same to you, sir. Yeah. So, Shannon, I know they kind of jokingly call you the road warrior because you get around to a lot of events. Have you and Nathan played much in many events? I mean, do you guys have sort of a backstory? What, were your, of times. what were your thoughts going into playing each other? Well, the last one we played, I was playing Forces of Nature. Mm -hmm. I was Masters two years ago in Nashville. Oh, in Nashville, yeah. You had the lightning bolt EOD. spam and stuff. Yeah, and I did. EOD. Yeah, I had the two winged unicorns and the three beasts. Mm -hmm. And he he popped a unicorn right away his first turn with some shooting. And yep. my game kind of went downhill from there. So he beat me in that one. And then yeah. Yeah. the first time we played, he had dwarves. And I don't even remember what I was playing. Man. Yeah, that was, ATC, that was at ATC Probably before that first lanes. Masters. Um. That sounds right. I think that's right. So, this is a long time ago, and there were a couple of funky things. Yeah, you still had the King with Beast then, and I think yeah, he charged yeah. out of train and did no wounds to yeah. the flyers, and some things, some things didn't. Yeah. So, we were one-on-one. One. Yeah. So, 
So, so going in matchup wise, were you scared? Were you, were you happy? Just kind of like list, list on list matchup wise. I'm used to playing against goblins, not this style of goblins, but I know kind of what some of their limitations are and what their good stuff is. Um, Shannon was running the the goblin mega blaster, so you know Jeff O'Neill runs that. I'm very experienced playing with that. You just got to take your lumps, you know. Yeah. You got to go in and swing on it and do what you can. So you know, being able to mitigate that, I thought I, I was able to get in the king, my king, into that and wavering it that first turn really helped me out some so yeah. uh yeah if it hadn't been wavered it goes forward 10 inches and then, and yeah it just blows up yeah. and does damage all over my uh my two iron guard regiments and my ironclad regiment so, so that was in the first turn you were able to no get that was that was like turn, turn three, three. Right. yeah okay. so turn one i'd kind of move my king over and then turn two i charge him into a horde of uh chariots, chariots. yeah and so disorders them his king on chariot comes in and between the king on chariot, his king, and the other, the, uh, whatchamacallits, they do like three wounds to him, and that's it. Don't break him. Don't waver him. So, wow. The next turn, uh, Shannon, or that turn, Shannon had moved the blast cart up on a hill so he could try to come down and get in those three regiments. And so the king turns around and says, Oh, hey, I can see you. You're within 20. So, and I've still got my two, my free individual pivot and two turns. So, let's go over here and hit you in the flank and do a few wounds, waver it. And so the next turn, I was able to get it off. And then, uh, it did a bunch of wounds to a mincer as well when that happened. So, so how was it like going going into the mid game? Was it close? You know, kind of take us take us play by play as you were kind of getting into turn three, turn four, turn five. I think it was fairly close. I was happy on the left side. I had put a couple of trombones over there and spitters. I was trying to figure out where he was going to drop his Brock Riders down because they're lower defense. So that's what I wanted to have the spitters and the trombones work on. And then I had a the flag with diadem and the mage right uh-huh. and i had a really good roll early against his <laughs> regiment yes. didn't yes. take it off but a really good roll so then it comes off the second time yeah i had to get into it yeah that's why i had to go ahead and commit it against that rabble horde it's like Just you know it had so much damage in yeah. it already yeah yeah it's like I, the, I had a horde of earth elementals and the the rabble horde just barely towed into some train so the earth elementals could see it and so uh i was like you know this is my one opportunity to use these guys to get something off the table with them. And, yeah. you know, they, they did it, you know. You know, those Brock Riders have a lot of nerve, but you hit that threshold where you can't hold back anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because you risk them dying, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So results, how did the game end up? Ended up 14-7, no attrition bonus, no scenario bonus. Uh, yeah, okay. Two, two, two to one. To one, and yeah. neither of us got to our two-point. So it was close. Yeah. yeah. Super close. Yeah. Um, if we'd gone turn seven, I might have had a chance to, uh, on an outside chance, if I had really rolled out of the box with the Brock Lord, bring one of those tokens back to me and, uh-huh. and maybe push his uh, his chariot horde, his second chariot horde off the table. So. Um, there was an outside chance there to pull that one back. But uh, I think if I had done that, he was still going to get the one on the other side. At that point, I probably, so. if you don't kill the king, yeah, no, I was going to have the be, king there. If you don't kill him, he runs around and yeah. gets a two pointer. So. so it was going to have to be yeah. the Mesa Crushing guy going after the king again. Yeah. So that took way longer than I expected. He should have been dead. Yeah. And then um, the the Blade of the Beast Slayer, Brock Lord, going after the Chariot Horde sure. and hopefully getting it off the table. So. So hindsight, Shannon, 2020, do anything different? Um, yeah, there were a couple things. I spun a chariot horde one time just so that if he took, he ended up not taking my first horde off the table. I was thinking he would, so I spun the chariot horde so I could go try to kill uh, Brock Lord and then overrun into my two-point token. But what I should have done was spun it back to face the middle a turn earlier so I'd have it in the flank of his iron guard a turn sooner. Yeah. And then... I think there was one point what I should have done was hid my king behind the chariot horde that was injured. Mm-hmm. 
And then I, with him being nimble, if I had him facing the flank, right, run him off. And I don't know if I was close enough, but if I was, I might have been 18 inches from the two-point token yeah. Yeah. with one pivot to get to it. So end of game six, what are your uh, thoughts, final thoughts on Masters? Anything stick out in your head? It's a lot of fun. I mean, the games are all tough. It's a tough room, very tough room. <laughs> very hard, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, going five and one, four and two, those kinds of school, those kind. Of, I mean, nothing to be ashamed of with any any kind of result like that. You know, yeah. I mean, you're playing, you know, top eight guys from across the country. I mean, Shannon Schumacher has won multiple events. Yeah. Uh, I the loss was Dustin Howard, so he's won multiple yeah. events. So, yeah. You know, yeah. I had a I had a stiff road, so and I mean I'm I'm pretty happy with four and two. So. And I'm pretty sure Dustin or Mike jumps either one of us on a fourteen seven. It's hard uh, to say. I, I guess don't know where Mike 17. Mike. Well, yeah, Mike was at uh, Mike was at seventy. They were three. They were. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, well, Mike was someone was at seventy four. So Dustin was at seventy four. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, you're still you're at ninety, Shannon. So Dustin's yeah. still going to have to 16. sixteen. He's been yeah. pulling that pretty consistently. Yeah. So. Is that is that game still just should just be ended? Right. Dustin they looked like they were wrapping yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Cool guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Awesome. No, yep. thanks a lot, Jerry. Thank you. Ashley, what 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 is the nationality there? I think it's Scottish. Scottish. I don't know. But you're Canadian. I'm Canadian. And you, were you always on the western side? Yeah. So I hadn't even left BC before until like last year. So I've been like hanging out on the so west coast. So why don't you just uh, what did you think of the your first Masters experience? Um, I think overall good experience. Uh, my goal coming in was like knowing the room and knowing how great the people are here and how well they play. My goal had been to go one in five. Like, and my how goal, did you do? I got one win, one draw, and four losses. So better, better than, I was than you expected. Because I was kind of like, okay, shoot for low, and then if I get a second win or a third win, then it's just all great positives after that. And we're joined by Mr. Lance Hatcher, who I think was supposed to be here last year, maybe, and like ditched us. And were you at you were at the first one though, right in Nashville? I was not. Oh, so this was your first Masters as well. Oh. What did you think? Uh, it was everything I thought it would be. What, well, what is that? Is it hard? Is it it's, great? Um, everybody's a great opponent, good sportsmen, and really tight playing for most of the. Field. It, it, I was telling Grant better this a little bit ago but even at the lower tables there's no gimme games it's not like in a regular tournament where you have joe schmo or me show up and i'm <laughs> oh and five uh and i you know like the people down here at the lower tables or mid tables they are really good players too and they're gonna jump on your mistakes well let's walk through this is what i want to talk about this was the last game for you guys you guys played each other mm-hmm. right you guys were fighting for bragging rights right Essentially, I think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking wooden spoon here, but in this room, wooden spoon is not a not a negative thing. I mean, you're just the best person that that just you know you just fell over the bottom, but that's okay. You're like the what's the what's the word I'm looking for, Jeremy? Help me out. I'm, I'm struggling. Well, you're the 64th best player in the country, right? There you go. <laughs> There's the spin 64. I was looking for. Yeah, yes. that's how the 64th best player, and, and we're looking at him. Actually, well, we don't know that yet, but we don't know for sure. I would say. The other thing is, I'm the third best in Canada. Then, yeah. third best Canadian at, at the, the U.S. US Masters. Masters in 2019. So we'll just leave out the fact that there's only three of us. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Talk about your weekend. Uh, I was just trying to go like a few wins, and unfortunately, I only got one. But it came at the end, so I get to go home. Oh, but you go out on like a high note. Yeah, I get note. to go out on a high yeah. note for but sure. Your wins weren't 
like, uh, excuse me, your losses weren't like devastatingly bad. A lot of them were close. Yeah, until turn seven, right? Like any normal so conversation. A lot of times when we talk to people and they they have like a losing streak because I, I went Owen or I went one in four or one of five at one of the tournaments in Birmingham. I mean, it happens. You're playing for turn six and you get turn seven. You're like, oh, I lost the game. Or you need turn seven and you don't get it. No, it's three when you roll the dice. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just that that variable term length can determine the wins and losses. So. You right. had a good time, though. Oh, yes, of course. What's the highlight of the weekend? And I know you, can, you can't say playing Ashley. That's against oh, the rules. It's just really going out and eating with everybody and socializing afterwards, the midnight. And you had, like, the best concierge with you. Brian Rodeur is um, amazing. I love that guy. He doesn't stop. And he he's a con- I didn't I didn't even know you could have, like, a tequila connoisseur. Seriously into his tequila. Yeah, I mean, he almost needed two baskets at the liquor store. Well, uh, my wife wouldn't let me spend that kind of money on tequila. I can tell you that right now. Right. He must have like an extra job. I just want to know what was going, you know, as the picture has gone around, right, of poor the trunk of Lance's car. That, what, we didn't, we what, didn't even talk about that. What is your sense when your car gets hit? My first instinct would go, my models. Is that what went through your head? Like, I don't even care about my car. I mean, first sense was making sure I was all right and movable. But, yeah, yeah. then I was like looked at my trunk, and I was like, oh, crap. So I'm going to have to do it for Adam again. I'm like, hey, bro. I'm yeah. So, so for, let, for those that didn't know, what happened is, why don't you describe what happened? Uh, yeah, I was sitting at a red light early in the morning, and a box truck hit me going about right. 40. Just totally destroyed just the totally trunk destroyed of your car. my car, totaled mo- out the car. And a bunch of models. Yep. And then I had to get things from Patrick and Ben to... Yeah, and so uh, they put a call out and said, okay, we need... This Masters player lost their army. We need a Salamander army. Right. And they were able and to they come were able together. to find the models. And there's a question. You think you took a paint hit because you used their models? Were, were your stuff, was your stuff painted better than theirs? A little. Oh, okay. Let's be honest. But I was I, hoping I was going to do good enough where that'd be a controversy. Right. Like, hey, oh, you uh, were hoping that, that it was enough, you were high enough up yeah. there. Yeah. Having better paint was really going to put you over the top. Right. Or they're making me like, hey, you didn't paint that. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great. But. Yeah. So over to you, Ashley. What kind of weekend did you have? I had a great weekend. Um, I enjoyed myself so much. Like, um, just such fantastic people here and right. such great competition. And um, I saw a lot of really clean play, and it was that was really nice. Like, you know, lots of people checking and uh, marking bases before they move and things like that. So really clean and, like, really nice angles and... It was good yeah. tactical play yeah. here. And I learned a lot from everyone, so even my losses, I'm going to take all that away because I hadn't played a game on a table since October, so, like, lots to think about and a lot of armies that I don't normally see, so it's been right. really great. Well, what's next for you, Lance? Uh, are you coming back next year? We're going to see where everything lines up. But Well, I mean, are you going to you going to go for it? You try oh, it? yeah, and uh, like I said, with the new formations with Salamanders. I, I, I remember Lance when we were at Alamo in 2016. Was it Alamo? And there was a little kid, like 13 years old. I remember that that whole thing, right? Yeah, it was a debacle. It was a debacle. Jeremy knows something about it. I don't know. I don't know at all what you're talking about, Mr. Funnell. You know what's funny is Aiden said, look, Jeremy just needs to move on. My kid has. (laughs) You know what? He came up to me and he's like, you know, I know everyone's good, but we just all like giving you a hard problem. So it's like everything's cool, but it's like, it's a thing now. So no, but you are a strong player. Even if you, you don't, I mean, you you make weird lists that people don't see coming. Ember sprites. Who uses Ember sprites? Well, Lance Hatcher does. Yeah. Salamanders for next year? Is that the plan? Yep. We're going to try that for Ancients formation out and see how it roars. Cool. Roars. Roars. Are you going to roar like at the table, like like Ryan Smith yells about jumping up and down for his giant or something? No, to like, that extreme. Okay. Okay. How about a little bit? Maybe, maybe get like a, you were talking about, Ashley, maybe have something on your phone where you, you could, like a dinosaur sound or something. I think so. That could work. 
have that in, that'd be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ashley, uh, what's your plan for next year? Are you coming back? Uh, hopefully. So now I got to try and play for the Northeast. Yeah. Get in well, there. you're going to have to actually qualify for the Northeast. That's tough, man. Well, no, that's what I mean. I have to play yeah. in the Northeast. And so, but there's lots of events. Yeah. So my hope is to get to at least Orktown because uh, Orktown and... Orktown GT is yeah. amazing sounding. And, and Unplugged GT is the other one we were looking at trying to go to. But um, yeah. they both fall on weekends I'm supposed to work. So here's hoping. Well, you I just got to get time off. Yeah, I'm like obligated to work every second weekend. So I got to try and do some like vacation and some shift swaps and bribe some people with bottles people of water. Or just get a different people, job. Yeah, people just need to get better so she doesn't have to nurse. Well, them. and here's the next question. Yeah. Whose spot are you taking? Oh, that's, see, that's the thing. Like, look at the team, like the people in the Northeast. Like, I mean, Mike. Didn't see it coming. He won a bunch of games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who did? Corey Reynolds, we, we expected, but uh-huh. not Mike. Yeah, so I guess, like, that's the thing. Like, there's a really great group of guys in the Northeast, so to come in and want to qualify, that's going to be a hard battle, and I definitely need to practice more and play harder. and Or maybe someone will need a Merc next year. So if someone's thinking about trying to qualify for the U.S. Master, it doesn't matter what, what region they're from, hmm. what would be your suggestion to them? What would be the recommendation about, hey, man, why Why should you try to qualify for the U.S. Masters? Oh, because like I said, it's just a fun time, and it's a lot of just fun pressure and up times. But as far as getting qualified, I just try to make as many tournaments as possible. That's the trick, point, I think. You just try to do as best you can, and you give yourself as many opportunities, and hopefully you land a couple, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you land a couple. And also, I mean, sometimes, you, like Ashley, you, you're a good enough player. They'll pick you, and you have desire to go. They'll find a spot for you. Um, right. You know, here's my it, best suggestion. Go play in a region that historically has needed needed participation. Go to their tournaments because if you go to their tournaments, you know what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to add you to their team yep. if they don't have enough players in house. Uh-huh. Right, Jeremy? I'm looking at Ashley. Yeah, and Jeremy, yeah. looking at each other. Yeah. Like, mm. Come, come visit. You get on the team. Bay of Kings. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard the weather is nice in California. It's, it's very nice. Yeah. How'd Brindley end up? I wonder. I think he has one draw. Two losses? He lost his last game, too. Yeah, he lost his last one. Last lost two games, right? Two games, so I think he went three, one, and two. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's better than last year. I think he went three and three last year. Okay, that's positive. You guys are very positive people, which is why I like hanging out with you guys. I mean, mean, at this point in the weekend, you know, you just got to look at the whole weekend in a positive light because this was a good experience overall. So even if there was a couple games where you lost or things didn't always go the way you planned. What like, can you learn from it? That's the key. That's exactly. the question, though. Yeah. Let's ask you that. What, what would you change? What would you do differently? What what, what are you going to learn from it? Uh, maybe don't triple charge the blowing up pendant thing. Oh, oh you had the crystal pendant of retribution. Yeah. And yeah. I just like was not Did you forgot? Paying, oh. I was just not paying attention. You, you didn't but remember I did what I was going to do? Well, I also like. Yeah, great. You killed it. And then I it kills it. you. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it would have been hard to kill without, because you've got it on what unit again, was it? It killed, uh, died so early. Primes. Yeah, the, the big giant horde, right? Yeah. So he, like, literally charged right up into my face. Like, well, he wants you to kill it. Yeah. So A, you're going to expend a lot of energy killing a unit, which he's fine with you killing, because hopefully the return damage. can take over. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, so like, it, I, it was my bad, because I think it was, like, game six, and I was not paying full attention, and I forgot about that. Oh, you gotta respect your opponent, Ashley. You gotta, no, you gotta, no, you gotta it give him full it attention. It was not last. last. It was 100% not <laughs> last. I mean, he may be last place, but. Okay, it was not Rob, that. It's it was not just, last place. It's the 64th best player in the country. <laughs> right, correct. And I would call that, like, oh, what am I doing here again? Like, it's like game six of Masters. I'm right. a little tired, and I was kind of like looking at the list and just didn't look at that piece. And that was right. my bad, and I wasn't being attentive enough. I love that, Lance. It was great. Great dig. So, was Jeremy a good host? Jeremy was good. Oh, yeah, because they were in my room. Right. Yeah, yeah we shared with Jeremy. Uh, it was good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun. Good. And then we had Brian. 
yep. uh, you and you and Mark uh, and uh, Brian Bordeur. Yep. And you guys are driving home tonight? You're leaving tomorrow? No, we're going to leave first oh, thing. Oh, so we have another tequila night. Yep. That's awesome. I know. There's a bunch of people getting on the road tonight. That's crazy. On 12 plus. Uh, let's drives. talk about that. Yeah. Three and three format versus four and two. Four games on Saturday, two on Saturday versus we're playing here. Three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Uh, three and three. You like four, three and three? Yeah, four just puts you out too late for the night on right. Saturday. And it's really important that you have mm-hmm. a good time and you party and all that good right. stuff. Like, I think, yeah, I definitely agree three and three. Like, I think four yesterday, I would have been wiped. I was so hungry by the time dinner came around. Like, I don't know how I would have felt after another right. game. And plus, like, you know, going to bed at, like, 11, we spent a lot of time with people. Like, we didn't leave the lobby until, like, midnight. And that was a long hangout. So, I mean, if we had played a late game, I probably would have been out even later. And right. I would have been even rougher in the morning. And doing two games before lunch today is, uh, was nice. Was it? Yeah, just coming back, doing one game after right, lunch. Right, so you would have liked that on Saturday, too, probably. Uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I think in general, from what I heard, most people were like, thank God I didn't have to play that fourth game right. on Saturday. Well, we had a lot of extra time to, for frivolity and drinking yeah. alcohol. <laughs> and there is Rashad. <laughs> yeah, did anyone talk about the fact that when Rashad walked in this oh. morning, there was a round of applause and cheers? That he was not that, dead. That he, that he was alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was my opponent this morning, and I was like, oh, my God. He's here. I'm so yeah. excited. Not that so. he made it on time, but that he was still living. Yeah. He did make it on time. He was like here. Yeah. By 8.30. You know, he was here. Crazy. He got here. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't ready to play at 8.30. He had to, he had to get, you know, he was like, he had to summon he had the, to the energies. Did you beat him? We tied and it was they, a perfect 10-10 draw. They, they wow. Drew. Interesting. Yeah. But it you was, beat her, Lance. Uh, I did. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a no-win situation. You're, you're in last place. You gotta, you're just going to start swinging. Right. To be fair, Mountain Region, we, we beat Ashley all around. Did you? Yeah, Mountain Region went three for three with me. Oh, because uh, Adam Ballard beat you. Who else did you play? Uh, I played Mark Bryson. Mark Bryson. My loss against Mark Bryson would have been a three-point loss for me, and then we he got the turn seven, and it went to a one-point for me. So right. Just that was a slight victory. Rounded up the last turn. Yeah, he just got the That's last correct. little bit he needed, right? So, so final thoughts? U.S. Masters, we're pretty much done. We're just waiting for awards. Yep, just waiting to get it. Rewards and looking to our, what we're going to do tonight. It's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't either, but it's going to be great. It's going to be good. Whatever it is, make sure you tell me what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.